Welcome to an interseason episode of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stogden. Sequel is only a word. The reality is much, much worse. That's accurate. That sums up the main ideas. seasons of this entire show, pretty mm-hmm. much. We think we've hit the bottom of the barrel, but no, there's another Paul Blart around <laughs> the corner exactly waiting <laughs> for us. And you thought, oh, Paul Blart's the worst. And then we did Sex in the City too, <laughs> And that was maybe even worse somehow. Yeah, we, we cover bad sequels on this show. But not this week. Thank God. We get breaks from that occasionally in it's our seasons. True. For our sanity. Exactly. And speaking of things that are losing sanity, it's Tim Mayton. What, you think I don't know how to get myself off? Hell, that's half of what sequelizing is. Also, another true statement. Why are you guys just saying true facts right now? Spitting facts. Just just spitting truths. Just getting off and talking about bad sequels. I mean, it's a very hot-ass, world-on-fire day. So maybe we're a little fatigued and the truth is just spilling out our faces. Maybe. Maybe. It is very warm. We are recording this in August of, of the year of our Lord 2022, which is... Close to the hottest day of the year. In future, be known so as far. one of the coolest summers. Yes. <laughs> the coolest summer in memory, if you're listening to this in 2032. <laughs> if podcasts still exist and the internet's still a thing and we haven't all been consumed by the sun or something. I think that's how that works. Feels that way. But yes, we are here. It is an in-season episode. We're not fixing a bad sequel. We're going to be talking about something that comes up on the show semi-regularly. When we dip into the past. We talk about, you know, one of those sequels that follows up a long a long kind of stretch of nothing in a franchise. That's happened a few times on this show. Because we're going to talk about comebacks, specifically genres that deserve a comeback. And it's an interesting thing because, yeah, we kind of touch on it. We skirt around it occasionally. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this was the Patreon vote for this interseason. So we didn't even pick the topic. It was the patrons that picked the topic. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. I'm looking forward to it. But mm. before we get to that, I mentioned the patrons. As I said, you can get voting. You can get exclusive merch, discounts on merch, and free episodes, early access to episodes, a host of bonus content. We do entire exclusive episodes during the interseason that you can listen to exclusively on Patreon. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, if you are listening to this on Patreon or thinking about joining the Patreon, you do get an audio RSS feed link that you can just connect up to whichever podcast app you're using. Most of them are able to basically connect an RSS feed directly to it. We were talking about this on the Discord the other day. Lots of patrons didn't know they could just connect it up to their podcast app and it will automatically update and download new episodes of the patron-exclusive stuff. So you get all the feed of the early access, so you just downloads for you on the Friday when episodes are released, and then all the bonus stuff is also just downloaded on that same feed as well. So you should have one feed for all of the sequelizers' content in one place. Some people were going to Patreon, downloading the MP3, loading that into another player app of some kind. Mm-hmm. But no, Patreon's done the work for you. We've done the work for you. We enabled it on our feed from day one, so it's been available for a, a couple of years now. So if in doubt, 
you can get it all on one lovely feed on one single podcast app of your choice. Mm. Most of them do it, unless you're listening on something like Spotify, which is not a dedicated podcast app. I don't think you can add RSS feeds to Spotify. You definitely can things like Pocket Casts and Podcast Addict and a few like the more independent, smaller kind of things. I do it a lot myself as somebody who supports patrons and all that kind of stuff. I remember it blowing a few of our executive producers and a few of the uh, listeners and patrons blowing their minds on the Discord. Probably has right now people listening. Hopefully, yeah. So if you'd like easy access to all of that, early access to all of that, access to the bonus stuff, go to patreon.com slash sequelize. And the people who support us at the two highest tiers are the executive producers. And the executive producers for this week are Stuart Main. I'm a sophisticated sex robot sent back through time to change the future for one lucky lady. Xenos. What happened to your eyes? Where am I going? We won't need eyes to see. Marcus Lindstrom. I know now why you cry. But it's something I can never do. Josh van der Sluis. Oh, and this one time at band camp, I stuck a flute in my pussy. Excuse me? Jonathan Firth Clark. This isn't my face. What? Bev. No, no, don't do that. Bev! Philip Morgan. How are you? We might ask the same question. Yes. Sleep. Now. James McDowell. Would you object if I said that you were quite striking? Mr. Finch. Are you trying to seduce me? Yes, ma'am, I am. Hyper dude, man. More human than human is our motto. And Josh Miles. Snoring. You goddamn farts. You goddamn. Goddamn farts. Thank you, executive producers. Thank you for your support. You make these interseasons possible. You make the show free for everyone else. We very much appreciate your support. You, uh, yeah, keep this show going and keep it soldiering on towards season 11, which will be coming sooner rather than later. Are we feeling ready, boys? Yes. Oh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, behind the scenes, Matt confirmed he is, uh, you pretty much finished all your pitches, pitches for season are done. 11? Okay. Pitches are done. I haven't watched the films that my pitches are about yet. <laughs> so, uh, by the way. That's totally normal yeah. dynamic. And Tim, you're somewhere in the middle, right? You've I've seen watched, some films. I've watched but... some of them. I have not started putting pen to paper, so to speak. This is the exact pattern that happens every season. Yeah. And that Matt prepares weeks ahead of time. I often haven't seen even the film that I'm... The that is the sequel, let yeah. alone the original, <laughs> yeah. So I have to go and watch them for the first time. Usually, like, buy them off eBay so we can do the giveaway things at the oh, end of the I mean, season. We so often hear stuff. Jack saying, I saw this two days ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a reason for that, because I don't go and watch bad sequels unless I have to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Tim is often somewhere in the middle where he'll be more prepared than me, but less prepared than Matt. So, yeah, that's us preparing for season 11. Which, like I said, will be coming up very soon. We've got three picks from the top-tier executive producers coming up as well. So... After the travesties that happened that I mentioned earlier, fucking Paul Blart and other... A lot of them haven't got any better. There's some bad stuff coming up in season 11. We're prepared. Are you prepared, listeners? No. Absolutely (laughs) not. Absolutely not. But before we get to all of that, we've got a few interseason episodes left. Good stuff. And this week we're talking about 
as I said, genres that deserve a comeback. So yeah. should we start with a very kind of top level discussion? Like I said, it's something we've touched on a couple of times on the show before. Kind of talk about movie genres as a concept before we get into kind of the comeback yes. kind of cycle of things that we'll be talking about later on in the show. Absolutely, because a friend of mine wrote a dissertation about this very subject, and this is back when she was working at a cinema, and I was in the quizzes like a good like decade ago, and she said this to me, and I thought, ah, hmm, and then literally within 20, 30 seconds of me like, ah, I was like, oh my god, you're not only entirely correct, I'm going to be saying that forever, and here <laughs> I am saying the same thing on a podcast. Genre doesn't exist. Bye, everybody. So, <laughs> to, to clarify. Genre is um, uh, a bit of a misnomer uh, in the sense that it is ultimately a sales tool to categorize things. It's like, well, why do I need to categorize them? To sell it to you. That's all it is. If you are a fan of a movie or a type of movie or what you what we all call, and I, I mean, I still use the word genre all the time. So if you're a fan of a genre or a type of movie, you want to say, I really like this kind of movie. Are there anything... You know, is there anything out there that's similar? Things with similar vibes, actors, wherever it happens to be. Can I recommend more of the same, please? Because I like this. And sometimes you go, yeah, that's easy. The, you know, uh, it's like, oh, I, I love this uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film. Oh, great. Well, I can, de- I can recommend the works of Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Th- that's your, that's your, yeah. right there. What about the genre his stuff sits in? You're like, oh, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's drama. Yeah. But, right. Well, can you recommend me another drama, please? And you're like, yeah, I can. <laughs> I can recommend literally a million, but at the same time, none of them will feel like a P.T. Anderson, uh, yeah, a Paul Thomas Anderson film. So technically, they're there solely to sell you something. And the best, the one I always use as an example is comedy. Comedy is so subjective and it's so specific that if you say, oh, I love comedy, you'll love this. So what you end up getting is, well, that's just not just a, not just a comedy. That's a specific type of comedy. That's a this from this area. And then you can um, whittle it down so much, as we will later, probably. Subgenres and categorizations and down and down and down and down. And to go, that's a fantastic, that's my favorite genre, right? That, that is my absolute jam. Great. How many films does that consist of? Four. Yeah. There are, <laughs> there are four of these neo, new wave, um, Euro frenzy, uh, sexual comedy, oh. Oh. escapade, road trip films. You're like, oh. Right. <laughs> you just described Road Trip, the movie. No, I would you would Euro in. Oh, that's yeah, it was yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Euro, Euro, Euro Trip. Euro Trip, yes. Yeah, um, well, there you go. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, this is kind of the point that you will have. I mean, again, science fiction. We we bundle so much into science fiction. Yeah. Arguably, every superhero film is in science fiction. Oh yeah, that... technically. And now, like comic book movies, is its own its thing. own thing. Well, that doesn't ex- and every time this comes up, like. Road to Perdition is a comic mm-hmm, book movie. Mm-hmm. A History of Violence is a comic book movie. Yeah. Persepolis is a comic book movie. And then you go, That's well, not, on, it's not I, as simple as maybe that. Maybe I just like superhero films. You like Punisher? Yeah. He ain't a superhero. He's a bloke <laughs> with a gun. Like, oh, well, I, I don't. And that's the point. There will always be caveats. There will always be things. And it is something that is from top down. We use it because it's a good shorthand for us to talk to you about things. It's like when we do like, oh, we're going to do... Uh, episode about westerns yeah we even plan out the seasons with this right we like, absolutely do we we've talked about this before when we come to laying out a season for who's going to fix what what the top tier executive producers have picked all that kind of stuff we want to lay it out so we have some variety we're not just doing 
five comedies in a row, then three action movies, and then two horrors, and that's yeah. it. Bit of range. We try and do a bit of horror, do a bit of action, do a bit of this, do a bit of that, and there we are, categorizing stuff and thinking like, oh yeah, I guess that would come under that, and if you really drill down into it, like that could episode one would be the same genre as episode three but they're very different films and mm-hmm. um, we have this whole discussion of like oh, i did a horror last season do you want to do a horror yeah. now and it's like oh <laughs> yeah, god yeah, yeah. yeah. i've Are done too do- many war films <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we were talking about that the other week like mm. this whole thing of very different but yeah. there's vibes of like oh, i don't want to do this again i've done this already yeah. and then you have the wonderful suffix or, or perfect perfect on that which is like family <laughs> ah, so family war film or family drama, family horror, family. It's the extra caveat of like, don't worry, it's never going to be as extreme as the other ones. Yeah, sorry. I've no, been no, 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 no. Lot. <coughs> okay, better. Whereas family itself means nothing. Yeah. That doesn't, unless that's, yeah. That's almost, and we we just done a, um, uh, a Patreon exclusive about this. We have. Uh, which we'll come back to later, certainly, at least uh, for one of our picks. Mm. Um, but family is almost more of a classification tool. It's basically saying, hey, you can bring your five-year-old to this. Again, who will, are you selling it to? It will yeah. mostly be suitable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so genre, I mean, again, right, very, very hot take from the start. Genre doesn't exist. In terms of like when you set out to make a movie, you're making, you're telling a story about, well, you hopefully should be, about characters, about world building, all this sort of stuff. It's only when the producer tries to sell it to a studio or a script tries to be sold, it's like, it's this meets this. It's like a this kind of movie. It's, uh, imagine Die Hard, but it was a sci-fi, you know, that kind of thing. It's, and then when you're selling it to an audience, you try and say the same thing you, without, without necessarily actively saying the action hit of the summer. They might say a lot of evocative, similar surrounding language that makes you think of actions like a thrill ride. Kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I know what this is. A non-stop roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. That kind of language makes you go, you know, your heart will stop. Ah, <laughs> oh, with terror. Oh, no, I, was, <laughs> I thought it was one thing. <laughs> Shit. Also, we, we, we were describing like the 90s when the people had like yeah. s- trailers with the narrator in it, but you, you get the idea. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit like the whole coastline paradox thing. Oh, where if you there's this sort of thought exercise, I guess, or real problem. Yeah, where trying to draw the coastline accurately is basically impossible, uh, because the closer you zoom in on it, the more and more kind of fractal it gets. And genre is a bit like that. It's like you can draw lines, but then as soon as you start examining and going like, okay, this film to this film, this encompasses action. Okay, so now let's look at these action films. Okay, but these are very, a lot of these are very different. Okay, well, we'll subdivide them up and say, this is an action thriller. This is a sci-fi action. This is a blah. This is a blah. Now let's look at the sci-fi action. Again, a lot of these are quite like, when you start thinking Mm -hmm. about it, this is very different (laughs) to this. Okay, well, we'll call this one post-apocalyptic action sci-fi and we'll call this one uh kind of a noir action sci-fi we'll call this one of this and 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 you can keep going down until you are literally looking at single films absolutely absolutely Um, and that is because most films at the end of the day are a mix of different influences yeah you know everything exists in context 
apart from the very first film, and even that existed <laughs> in the context of literature and theatre yep. and yep. everything else that exists in the world. That's exactly what I was going to bring on to, Tim. Thank you for the segue. Books have genres too. Yep. Stories have genres and will forever have genres and always have had genres. This is not a unique thing to film. And I love like the the two polar ends of it where they get incredibly hyper-specific. Like the example you gave earlier, Matt, of like, there is one film in that genre, but it is a subgenre of a subgenre of a subcategory yeah. of a subgenre, but it still counts. Or you get the thing where, as you said, Tim, there's a, a massive mix of influences, and then just like, uh, action movie. Yeah. It does so much shit, I don't know what it is. It's covering so many different things. This happens all the time when I'm like, uh, just discovering new bands basically mm. i will I oh, regularly yeah. go on like yeah. my discover weekly on spotify and find a new metal band or rock band or whatever it is Same, yeah. and i will listen to them and be like i don't really sound like anything in particular i wonder what they are and i will look it up and it'll be like blah 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 are a rock band i'm like that is the worst description <laughs> yeah. of this band there's no like german industrial or thrash metal or anything it's just like they are a heavy metal band like what does in 2022 as you said tim if you take it back to like the early days those broader terms have a bit more like rigidness to them Mm. there's like a in the early days of heavy metal you had black sabbath and you had like these you did thrash metal didn't exist death metal didn't exist all this kind of stuff the same thing with movies you start off with basics and you get more as people are trying to explore more stuff and do different things. You get these incredibly specific subgenres mm-hmm. that develop over decades and decades of people remaking, sequelizing, yeah, yeah. twisting, and being influenced by things. And now we're in this period: music, video games, TV, films, everything. You can just subcategorize into tiny little buckets that just don't actually mean anything. Like, ah, oh, but yeah, that's a mm. that's a baseball set in this state in the 1920s it's like mm. <laughs> i mean it's still a, it's a sports movie though it's like you fuck it just put sports movie yeah but it's like the race officer, black Sox warriors the yeah. yankees was a crime movie thing i mean that stems back to like shakespeare where his yeah. three things were comedy tragedy and history and like <laughs> uh, is that all your stuff which which one exactly does the tempest fall on exactly, yeah. yeah it's like it mm. It's one of the weird ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting how, uh, and I'm sure we'll go into more depth in this, the way that genre is used both in the from the kind of production side and the consumer side. Um, yeah. Because obviously when people are pitching movies to studios, you know, a, a screenwriter or whatever, they have to be able to say to an executive, oh, it's a this kind of film. Absolutely. Um, and so... Because then when the and producer can say in the final cut of the film, you sold me this movie. Yeah. That is not what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Cancel bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's used to inform casting and, you know, the kind of people that are hired for the film based on their experience and all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Um, and then when it comes to the consumption side, obviously it's how it's advertised. It's how it's um, sold to us. And it's interesting how that changes over time because obviously there's the promotion from the cinema has more or less stayed pretty constant. You know, there's been mm. posters and then radio ads and then TV ads, but it's it's kind of stayed more or less the same. 
genre kind of had a, a, I think almost like hit its peak in the video store era. I was going to say the same thing, Tim. Absolutely. Because you've got a, you, you essentially have his comedy. The comedy aisle or yeah, the comedy here's the section. Com- here's the comedy yeah. section. Here's your area, nerd. Get yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. Here's your sci-fi. Here's your horror. Here's your action. And then here's the serious grown-up films. Yep. Here's um, your foreign stuff. Yes. Here's your foreign stuff. Here's your anime. Which is not a genre. <laughs> yeah. Here's your kids, etc., etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that's still a case in you go to a shop and look around if you're, you know, one of the few who still goes to physical retail. <laughs> Hello. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll still find things kind of broken down in those rough genres. Mm. Now, with streaming services... And uh, you beat me to it again, yeah, Tim. <laughs> we're getting to the, point of view, uh, to the point where either you get these very granular descriptions... I've got my Netflix open and ready, Tim. Yeah. Oh, those fucking <laughs> categorizations, man. Or we've moved beyond genre because we can say, hey, we saw you watch this film. Here are films that are like it. You which is like sen- the algorithm quirky, thing, yeah. Which is essentially still genre but it's honing in on a single film and finding stuff that is common to it it's keyword search bollocks exactly how rude that's my entire day job (laughs) and my and my wife and you know what (laughs) fuck all your how rude so yeah i've got my netflix open yes i opened the sci-fi category oh god because i thought you know it sequelizes. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna We're white word. guys in our 30s. We know some sci-fi i'm expecting a spectrum from suspenseful you're like yeah sure to uh uh, aromatically pleasing. It's like, excuse me, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like baffling nonsense. So, not credit to Netflix, but interestingly, top genre, sci-fi films. Incredi- yeah, incredibly yeah. vague. Fair enough. Then sci-fi and fantasy programs. So we're obviously going to a bit of TV there. Sure, sure. Sci-fi TV. Then, here's where it starts to get interesting. Alien sci-fi. <laughs> like, okay. Mm, Bring it down. Okay. Post-apocalyptic. You mentioned that genre mm-hmm. earlier, Tim. Okay, so fair enough. Then there's a couple of like popular, again, watch again, setting, all that kind of stuff. Not a genre. And here's we get to the weird recommendation. So I've got uh, this goes new releases, popular, watch it again, and then watch together for older kids. Ooh, like, what the fuck does that mean? Would you like to know what the top three recommendations on watch together for older kids are? Stranger Things. That's a bloody good guess, Tim. Two of them are Netflix exclusive. Are they? Are they series of films? Uh, so one of them, there are it's three TV shows. Weirdly enough, of course it is. Hello Netflix. Yeah, two of them are Netflix exclusive. So the Voltron series is number two. Oh right. sure, okay, fair enough. Uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous is uh, number three. Yes. Yeah. Number one, you won't believe what number one says. Yeah, Buzzfeed Star Trek Voyager <laughs> for <laughs> older kids in their forties. What? Guess. That's me, I guess. Me yeah. in my thirties, sure. Okay, and then. Another classic kind of breakdown from streaming services, binge-worthy sci-fi. Oh. That's not a genre. That's no. just a way to watch things. But this is, this is how it starts. Once it becomes the common language, I mean, this is why certain terms like science fiction endure. Mm-hmm. Drama, thriller, sci-fi, comedy, there are bits and pieces like that that yep. will always endure because people, in the broadest sense of the mainstream, don't actually care too much because the second you go into, like, as you were saying, bingeable, neo, yeah. there are certain words that you use yeah. and people go, mm, that yeah. sounds a bit too arty-farty, yeah. or I don't know what that means. It sounds a bit like it's going to, um, it's not for me. Whereas if you just say, oh, it's a comedy. Oh, I like a comedy. Yeah. No, you don't. 
Let me show you a comedy and you have no idea what it is. I'm not going to go through all of these. We'll be here all day. But yeah, please, yeah carry on, carry on. British is next. That's a, okay. British sci-fi, obviously, but we're already in the sci-fi category. Sci-fi thrillers, including Looper, Elysium, In Time, and Limitless. Yeah. Uh, all very uh, different movies, but sure. Light. Sure. Sci-fi and fantasy that is based on books. <laughs> we did a whole episode <laughs> about did. book adaptations did, yeah. a little while ago. Space travel. Okay. Different, different from different, Alien. Different from Alien, yeah. And Star Trek is not included in space travel. Okay. For fuck's sake. Sci-fi and supernatural, which includes the Cloverfield Paradox. No, thank you. Okay. Ominous TV sci-fi and fantasy. This is this <laughs> ominous. That's ominous. where we get into that proper yeah. like. This, this is the mm. one I've been waiting for. Ominous, exciting, US sci-fi and fantasy. <laughs> Specifically, exciting American shows and yep. and uh, movies, as opposed to all those dull yep. American shows. <laughs> Here's yeah, one for you, hello. Matthew. Hello. Fighting anime. Mm. <laughs> it's called, yeah. it's called Tournament ba- arc. battle anime. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, sci-fi adventure, futuristic sci-fi. Hollywood films. Most sci-fi is futuristic. Yeah. Comedies to sci-fi comedies. All right. Interesting, they sometimes say within the genre, sci-fi thriller, and it spells that out. Yeah. And then this just says comedies, but it's within sci-fi, so it's yeah, assumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Action sci-fi, series, and action thrillers. Come on, man. And then a bunch of like, because you watched bollocks. Yeah. No, no. I, I, and this is the, this is That's the thing. That's one category of about 30 on Netflix yeah, that yeah. then breaks down. And as we discovered mm. not too long ago, once you go into a genre, so say, for example, Bollywood movies, yeah. you suddenly watch RRR or something like that, it unlocks the rest of them in Netflix. <laughs> yeah. You suddenly yeah. like, you watch one Polish film and suddenly Polish Netflix is available. Mm. It's like, Hey, you watch this thing. Mm. Here's 400 Polish films you've never heard of. Like, and that's what, what's what, frustrating what, to me with regards to that. Because, I mean, it's the idea that it's like, can I just look at all the genres? No. You're going to get the bits in your lane. Yeah. And then we'll open up some more if you see something. But only if you've looked for it in the first place. Um, well, I'm looking for this. We don't have it. <laughs> but we know what you're looking for now. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because when I was a bookseller, I remember the madness of the huge sprawling section titled fiction yeah <laughs> and opposite it crime and i'm like oh is this true crime no it's crime fiction mm. why is it not just in the fiction so yeah. here's science fiction and fantasy why isn't it in yeah. the fiction i know mm. why it's so you can cluster those nerds and those fucking marketing yeah, it's audience. All marketing. yeah. yeah. and the same thing with with dvds and blu-rays um blockbuster was very much like some example video rental was more about you just find all these little subsects mm. but with regards to if you go to like an hmv or something it's like films mm. on, by the way, horror. Yeah. And you're like, mm. wait, well, horror is still film. Yeah, but we know you horror people will stay over here and yeah. here's anime. And it's like, again, they're films. Yeah, but all the weebs have to hang out here because otherwise I have to look through all the shelves. I'm not yeah. going to do that. It's like, and here's superheroes. And you're like, I, I, you I do have the it. anime right next to the normal film. No, <laughs> not films. With the, with the normies. Yeah. And, you know, from a, from a realist point of view, does make sense to a certain degree because there are those genres yeah. where people get really into them and yeah. go, "Oh, I, I only watch horror," you know, or yes, I know a few I, of those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah all yeah, I yeah. watch is anime. All I watch is sci-fi. Yeah. Mm. But there's very few people who are like, "All I watch is uh, historical drama." <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure they do exist, mm. but you know, yeah, 
or they're, they're not in they're not vocal and spending in the same way that makes it worth yes segregating all their stuff into one couple of shelves Again, yeah it's about marketing and audiences absolutely they're not a big enough or at least not a vocal enough group of people to make it a viable section in the store mm, or yeah. on your streaming service or whatever it is you'll you'll mm. occasionally if there's a special offer on get like a, a little a shelf ender type thing oh like, yeah hey, you know like here's all these uh jane austen adaptations yeah the, ominous jane austen <laughs> yeah the ones you see that like um it will be clustering things together you sometimes see war movies westerns yeah. and then you'll say and, and i know it's a very good thing to have like an lgbtq plus sort of section saying well here's a load of stuff and it's like yes but again not a genre per se, but it's good to have those things together. It's like, no, no, no. If you, if you want to explore, here's some great movies you can see. So there's positives and negatives to it. It's a really, it's a thin edge when it comes to selling things, but it is still about selling it to you, which is actually a really good segue to the next point. And that's genres trending and bubbles within genres. Um, now, there are a fair few schools of thought on this, namely those who say this absolutely happens. And those say, no, it doesn't have you being ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and both are completely arguable. Um, the idea being that during certain periods of time, more money is flooded into certain productions and there are more copycat films of certain styles because the public wants to see them and the public, you know, they, they like what they know and they'll go and watch more of the familiar. It's why we end up with like franchises and sequels and so on and so forth in the first place. So we mentioned about in the 20s and 30s and stuff, musicals being like so many and then something dying in one day because it was like in one year there was like x amount of musicals released in one go um you get a lot of interesting crime in terms of gangster stuff in the 30s 40s you get a lot of noir crime in a different capacity 50s you get big bastard musicals and westerns um westerns is a huge presence in the 50s 60s you start to get another different presence as well with um the arrival of science fiction so obviously you get more science fiction sort of B-movie running sort of stuff. Because again, you get the idea of we're going to space now. It's literally the Toy Story argument. Um, 70s, you see gritty crime stuff because you start to have this new wave of independent filmmakers. And we talk about the French Connection and The Godfather mm-hmm. and Serpico and all these yeah. things coming out. And, and also just the general state of the world and Absolutely. state of America. That has a huge influence it on it. Absolutely. It really does, yeah. Then yeah. in the 80s, you get big action blockbusters. The whole idea of like swole muscle head idiots going with like all the ammunition chewing through everything and it bleeds into other bits of genres of like predator and things like that being science fiction of that came same variety and you get the rise of stars like stallone and schwarzenegger and van damme etc 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 the 90s you get disaster movies whether that's alien invasions or hurricanes or volcanoes it just you know shit's going to focus we have the technology to make it happen the 2000s goes into an interesting place of young adult fantasy so you get harry potter arguably you could include in a way uh, Lord of the Rings with that. You get all the, oh, we want to buy up all these young adult fiction stuff. Hunger Games starts to come through, that sort of stuff. And the 2010s, superheroes. Now, <clears throat> I've listed all those for a reason because while you're going, yeah, no, he's mm. kind of got a point. It's also kind of bollocks. <laughs> because if I say, I said about the action stars of the 80s, right? The big old muscle heads and that sort of shooting endlessly is parodied endlessly. Yeah, of course. But if I substitute out and say slasher horror comes through, you've got so many sequels like Freddy and, and Michael Myers and all this sort of stuff going through and Jason Voorhees and go, oh yeah, that's true. That It's what you're into and the genre you're fixating on. The bubbles are basically what's popular, yes, but it's not just one thing most of the time. But we think of that because of, again, how much it's sold, how much the matinees are going on and 
how much that presence is in what we're being sold and what we're watching at the time. Mm. And again, it's not just about what the audience is consuming. It's about what the studios are producing. Entirely. And, you know, what's the, the, the saying in Hollywood is that nobody knows anything. Absolutely. And so <laughs> executives like things that they are familiar with and they see something that works and they try and replicate it, which is part of the reason that you do get these genre bubbles is because all it takes is one film or a, a couple of films hitting it big and they go, oh, that's what everybody wants. Let's make more of them. Yeah. And suddenly for 10 years, everyone's watching Westerns or Harry Potter becomes the biggest thing in the world. And suddenly for 10 years, you've got uh, The Dark is Rising and yeah, Aragon and yeah. The Spiderwick Chronicles and the blah and the blah and the blah. And yeah. the, you know, I think audiences are both smarter and dumber yeah. uh, than we give them credit for. And at the end of the day, people will watch what they are told is good. Um, Definitely. And there are plenty of films out there that have been surprise successes that no one would have predicted that sit so far outside of genres that were popular at the time because either the quality of them shone through and word of mouth Mm -hmm. created this Mm -hmm. following for them or just through kind of various things lining up. You know, take, for example, the success of Knives Out. Oh, that's good Nobody was making these big... Well, Kenneth Branagh was making (laughs) these big Agatha Christie adaptations. And we didn't care. And we didn't care, and he was the only one. And nobody would have said, like, oh, that's that's what people are crying out for. And if you knew that story because you'd seen that version of that film or read the book, Mm. guess what? It wasn't new, whereas Knives Out is a new one of these stories. And it's again, this is why when I wrote something in my own review for Knives Out, it's not necessarily a good whodunit. It's not, I mean, I, I very much enjoy it and I rate it very highly. Mm. It's the fact that we haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah. And so when someone says like, oh, this is a fantastic movie, and you go back and watch it and say, it was okay. It's like, yeah, but you have to remember the time we hadn't seen this yeah, in ages. Yeah, we were so starved for this kind Absolutely. of thing. And now we're getting, obviously we're getting the Knives Out sequels, which Netflix play, paid a bundle of money for. Yeah, uh, and we've the trailer came out for see how they run, which looks very Knives Out inspired. Absolutely, big ensemble cast, that same kind of vaguely period. Oh yeah, yeah. to it, 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 lots of stuff going on, and Quirky. I think yeah, and I think we'll get a few others, and who knows if they're successful, we may you know this may be another one of these th- weird things that bubbles up these little mm-hmm. subgenres. Mm-hmm. We talked when we did the basic basic instinct. About yeah. that weird bubble of like erotic thrillers yep. in the late eighties, early nineties, um, that you get these kind of moments of even these quite small genres. Just all it takes is maybe like one, two, three films to be a success, and executives go, "Well, clearly that's what people want." Yep, yep. Let's, you know, and because there's always scripts out there. And if not, then there are always script writers who are waiting for someone to go, hey, we're looking for one of these. And they go, I can write that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying? Yeah, I can write that. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a generational cyclical thing as well, because Absolutely. we're going to be talking about genres coming back. So the second half of the episode, we're going to talk about basically a genre each of what we'd like to see come back that hasn't been around for a while. Porn! In the year of our Lord 2020, there's a lot of porn, Matthew. Porn is always here. I was going to say, as we've discussed, it's the driving force for much of the cinema history, pretty much. And you get this, like, oh, looking, we recently just escaped, well, sort of, on the tail end, as Stranger Things is coming to an end soon, 
the eighties revival bollocks oh, we've yeah. been in for what felt like forever. And then over the last sort of like I feel like it's the last sort of year or so at well, since the world has been opening back up in mm-hmm, sort of this year up post pandemic, quote unquote, uh, around this sort of time. I live near one of the universities here in Norwich, so I see a lot of the people in their like late teens, early twenties, and they dress like I did twenty years ago. Yeah, they have massive baggy jeans and hoodies that are four sizes too big for them that just say like Thrasher on the front and stuff. And I'm like, center partings everywhere, and center partings really long. Everybody looks really grungy and nineties. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm that age where I remember yeah. when I I had my first proper. I remember when I did that. I remember when that was called the first did time. Did you feel the words back in my day yeah, bubbling yeah, up in yeah, your throat? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I had, the, back in my day, I had to hold it, yeah. uh, restrain it in my throat. Yeah. And the same thing happens with movies. We talk about like how uh, something I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be familiar with, the 80s action movie. And the fact that mm. I said the decade and the genre there, that that became its own subgenre. When you think of 80s action, you have a very clear idea of what that means, the vibe, the visuals, the kind of actors, what everybody's going to talk like, all that kind of stuff. The infinite ammunition. The infinite ammunition, the muscles, the big bright lights, the big explosions, all that kind of stuff. And that's an entire like subcategory of that genre defined by a period in time. And... Some of them aren't as literally labelled as that, but that happens often. The perfect example of the erotic thrillers, like you said, Tim, we talked about with Basic Instinct. Of like, that was a real moment in the nineties, wasn't it? Like the nineties erotic thriller thing. Like, how weird! And then we just didn't talk about it for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, it's a run of things in one go, and you're like, what? Is, what are you doing here? And it's yeah. using things that you think, where have these come from? And, it, and you're right; it's, it's entirely studio driven, where you have this idea of. A combination of, oh my god, that's the best idea. Why didn't you come up with it first? Quickly get in production as fast as you can. Um, Neo-Westerns being an interesting one. Like, show me Middle America. But it's like, you know, now. It's like, what do you mean? You know, you're you fucking no country for old men and, yeah. and, and you know, uh, hell or high water. Go, 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 go. That mm. kind of stuff. Um, and these are things that you like, if you say them to the general public, the, the acid test being my mum. Um, <laughs> if I say, mum, you, can you name a Neo-Western? Like, uh, no. Um, but then I'm is, like, is that his unforgiven one? Yeah. And I was like, no, mum. That's a revisionist Western. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You head out your ass. I like Calamity Jane. Nobody cares, mum. <laughs> um, that's a musical Western. Um, but that's the point. You end up with this thing. But if I told her, like, oh, have you seen Hello High War? She's like, oh, I really like that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a neo Western. Oh, is this? And it's like, and, you know, it, it gets into a little conversation. And that's the point. It's the idea that, um, there are so many of these categorizing bits. You end up saying like, "Do you like this?" Like, I don't know what that is, and it it, it sounds too academic. So if I'm, if I'm like, it's usually things that are reserved for uh, a scholarly exploration of film. Like, oh, we're going to discuss the French New Wave. Oh, what does that mean? Well, it means it was in this period of time and these directors specifically this kind of look and feel and challenging these norms. Great. Um, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure I'd enjoy it if you showed it to me. That's the, that's the logic. So we end up saying, like, what is the, what's this genre of this film? French. Oh, mm. lovely. <laughs> French colour of French, black and white. French, black and white. Ooh. Mm. Cigarettes and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. You know, it's like, yeah, I see exactly where you're going here. What, does it just randomly, you know, have a character talking in, in, in um, sort of narration that hasn't been there before? Yes. 
Uh, does it suddenly just cut randomly from another scene? Yes. I like those things. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what that is, do you? No, I don't at all, but I like yeah. it. So you end up saying, like, you're in the shop and say, it's like when you say, I really like this song. What can you recommend that's the same? Like, what, what song do you like? Um, I like Work Bitch by Britney Spears. <laughs> can you recommend me other stuff by Britney Spears? No, it's all, no, it's very different for every <laughs> stuff that she's done. Well, uh, any other songs? I mean, kind of. What's the genre? Pop. Yeah. yeah. Which also includes the Beatles. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do yeah. with this? Yeah. And I find it fascinating whenever I have these conversations with people who I don't know too well, it tends to happen with music a lot for me. Of course. Where I will come into contact, typically on Twitter, with another metalhead. And they'll be like, hey, man, recommend me something. And I'm like, like two bulls in a field. Oh, God. What? What? I was like, what bands do you like? I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I like, and like you said, Matt, I'll get some incredibly specific subgenre. Of... I like System of a Down and um, Iron Maiden. You're like, uh, more please, yeah, more def- input. Define System of a Down. I was like, oh no. But that that happened to be fairly recently. So a guy in SEO who I was talking about um, work stuff with on Twitter then said, oh, by the way, recommend me some metal bands. And oh, I yeah. generally had that moment of like, there's hundreds I could recommend to you, but I don't know what you like. And I had to have that like, almost like the first date kind of question. Mm. Like, so what are you into? <laughs> and I try not to be, when talking about films as well, I try not to be vague with that question. Like, give me your like three film, first three films that pop into your head that you like, or like try and narrow that down as much as possible. And some, the thing that drives me, up the fucking wall is that I like a bit of everything. No, you don't. No, you, no. <laughs> that's, that's never true for films or music or I'll TV shows. No, you or won't. Books. You fucking won't watch anything. Own mm. tomahawk your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, put his three and a half hours of hard to be a god. Fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. And that happens with music all the fucking time. And I find people who aren't like, you know, the three of us are pretty passionate also about music and about course, films and all this kind of stuff. We're that kind of nerdy, passionate, we we know what we like, we know our genres, all that kind of stuff. Mm. You're able to name bands of a particular genre because we've been yeah. podcasting about films for five years, watching films all our lives, listening to music all of our lives, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Some people just kind of passively experience media and don't really think about it. And having trying to narrow down what they like, I find having I find almost going on my Netflix and being like, Do you like quirky action thrillers? I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like lists and films like, oh i like that one don't like that one and it's trying to find that that narrowing down thing like and, and you had this experience with your parents not too long ago mm. when you were talking about what we're going to watch on netflix mm. like we have i don't know eight thousand things to yeah. choose from so <laughs> end up going with hook yeah <laughs> every hook every time what baby. the fuck is genre is hook yeah it's the matum genre that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> it's a family heirloom in the matum family but yeah, I find it fascinating. Now you can kind of really drill down because of a lot of it's because of the internet as well. And you have this instant access to every song ever made, every film ever made. Basically, you can just be like, well, I know you like this thing. Films that are like yeah. Bone Tomahawk. You're like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> I won't stick with Bone Tomahawk. It's got it yeah, on the brain now. But like, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like or, a literal harm- Tomahawk. <laughs> yeah. Like the... No, I'm not going to say it. Um... But there's there's a way of like googling things now and these incredibly specific searches, yeah. or even on Netflix mm. or on Spotify or whatever. Is 
sounds like this or is similar to this thing, has the same vibe as this thing. Yeah. This kind of new, again, I'm going into SEO stuff, but the way we search for stuff, then- That's how things are sold to us now. Yeah. Yeah. And then then influences the subcategories. The fact that people are watching a bunch of things at once on Netflix, quote unquote, creates the quirky action thriller genre because they realize like, well, they have something in common. And a lot of people who watch that also watch this. So you get a, people also watched. Mm. Like, yeah, I guess there's some connective threads there. Uh, quirky, fuck it, that'll do. Like, yeah. I can imagine like the the original people trying to categorize like blockbusters, and now seeing how Netflix does it with all of their algorithms and stuff yeah. nowadays would mm. melt their brains. Yeah, and even with people who have very eclectic taste, usually those people we're, we're sat with one right now. Too. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Usually, well, you know, I'd because we both have pretty. You, you both do as well, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, but also, in the grand scheme, you're open-minded. Also, and probably maybe more so with music than with film, but, but with film as well. Even th- those kind of people will generally have stuff. It's less stuff that oh, I really like this. It's like oh, I like everything apart from X, Y, and Z. That mm. is how I define my tastes. I have said this for years and years and years. It's the, it's the porn quote that I don't know what porn is, but I know it when I see it. It's yep. hard to categorize. My taste in things is almost always defined by the things I don't like rather than the things I like. I don't like country music. People will be like, oh, but have you heard this song? I'll be like, no, I probably won't like it. And I'll play it to be like, <laughs> it's, like it's more rocky than country. It's like, yeah, but the country is like something you like. It's like, I don't like the taste of certain things. It's like, yeah, you barely notice it. When you don't like it, that's all you taste. The coriander yeah. thing. The, Absolutely. The, the yeah. soapy coriander taste some people get. Is somebody just like mint? And it's like, it's, I have that with mint. You have mint. Yeah, it's yeah, mint. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So not mint flavored things, but mint leaves. Mm. Pure mint. If, if a proper mint leaf or it's supposed to imitate that flavor. I literally had a lime sorbet with mint in it the other day. Mm. And all I could taste was the fucking mint. <laughs> yeah, and it lime has like, a sharp flavour. Yeah, yeah, lime lime sorbet is a palate cleansing, super sharp mm. thing that would be like, oh yeah, wow, mm. like we really react to it. And I was mm. like, that fucking mint. <laughs> all I can taste is that fucking mint. And I feel the same way. Like again, going off country, but like certain actors, but like, oh no, can't watch them. No, no, mm. no, 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 their face just annoys me. Yep. And I remember, I remember my mum saying that for years of certain actors being like... Michael Shannon being one of... Uh, that's one of mine. Yeah. yeah, I just don't, I don't know why. Don't like Michael Shannon. I know you two very much like Michael Shannon. big box-faced men, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I like Josh Brolin fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. I, I was going to say, because um, people do this a lot, and understandably so, people who love film, people who just like loosely like it, Matt, you're a film guy, and you're like, oh God, where is this going? recommend me a movie and you're like fuck and so what i tend to say is something that um unfortunately you can't really curate in a way of seo you can't really curate in a way of being in a shop it's down to that personal curated connection and i say very clearly what do you want to feel oh oh and from there, i want to feel quirky man. <laughs> <laughs> no you don't <laughs> Hard to be a god, I, it is. I um, want to feel science fiction. <laughs> See, that's the thing, because you can't I want say, to feel hard. Yeah. Science fiction. Well, I've got uh, Supernova with James oh. Bader for you. No, oh. we're going to watch that. Um, that's the point. If it's, people say like, oh, what, what, what's the, what do you want to feel? I don't know. I've had a long day. I'm tired. I want to say I'm not going to worry about too much, but it's also kind of nice, kind of sweet, but I don't have to worry about focusing too much. But also, 
maybe a little bit like I'm going to go all back could be of an interesting future. I was like, right, Robot and Frank, watch that. And like, and then by the end of it, they, whether you like it or not, it's like, yeah, that was what I asked for. It's like, what do you want to feel? I want to feel kind of really engaged um, and suspend in, in a way that um, things unfold and it's like, um, you know, like a mystery is being solved and then kind of outraged. All right, watch Spotlight. <laughs> um, it's like, well, what's it about? It doesn't matter what it's about. Yeah, you, yeah. You, wanna, you will definitely feel that. Yeah. Like, I want to be scared. That's one of the easiest ones. Then you go, okay, because then you have a follow-up question. What are you afraid of? Because if you're scared of like, I don't mean like ghosts and stuff. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of like uh, jump scares. I'm afraid of a Dying alone. Yeah. And then you go like, well, then fine. We're going to, you go watch something like. Watch uh, old, the beach that makes <laughs> you old. Yeah. Go, go watch uh, Synecdoche. Yeah. Oh, oh, there we that's go. That's an existential fucking dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's the point. Is it, or I want to be thrilled. I want a really big adventure. I'm going to go, that's amazing. I felt like I'm, I want to go off and have my own adventure. Great. Watch fucking Star Wars. Mm. The first one. Like, that, that kind of thing you feel like you will have that feeling. Um, but that's such a, as I said, a curated thing that I can't do that for everybody. And therefore everyone can't go. And, and, and also, there's a possibility at the end of that thing you'll go, yeah, I didn't really go on with that. What did you want to feel? Well, I kind of wanted to feel like a slow burn sort of, I, was, I, was t- I had the time to commit something. Mm. But I wanted to feel kind of a bit of anguish, a bit of, bit of dread, a bit of sorrow, a bit of ennui. Like, what, what's the revenant? Yeah. It, it did it, but I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't say you'd enjoy it. <laughs> I said, go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you, you talked to your wife about watching Macbeth. Lady Macbeth, yeah. Yeah, Lady Macbeth. And you were like, I would just, <laughs> wi- I would just wind down I with did. a nice movie. You know, that three-hour torture experience. She is- said, I want to watch something that's really good with some good performances that's going to be a bit, eh. As in, like, you know, sad, but not too sad. Yeah. Watch Lady Macbeth. And and was like that was a miserable fucking. Yeah, like, that's yeah. kind of what you described me. And Florence Pugh is amazing in it. Yeah, so what's yeah. the problem? Yeah, I I find that this becomes such a thing when we're talking about it. And it's again, it's even a thing in podcasts. Like there is a sequel movie subgenre of podcasts, like unequal sequel. We know Rich and Dave, uh, Drew and the guys over at Sequel Pitch. Like yeah. we're in a subgenre of. Movie podcast is such a huge thing now because there are a million fucking podcasts now. We're not just a movie podcast. We're a sequel movie podcast. And then eventually we'll be the bad sequel movie podcast and like keep See, narrowing it down and all this kind of stuff. That's fascinating because we get into that classic categorization versus yeah. genre because we are, that's what, what we are. But the genre, I guess, is educational comedy? Is that uh, what we are? Quirky? We, so when we were hosted on SoundCloud, there was always the option to be like, what genre are you? And I was like, entertainment? Because it's a music yeah. it's a music platform. Yeah. So what genre are you? The genre was podcast. And I'm like, what? Nope. What genre are you? Movie. I don't know. Mm. Uh, would you like to see a moving picture? Take your pick from these a million yeah. choices. Like, what? Podcast could mean so many different things. And it's yeah, such, it's it's like such saying, a newer what's the, medium. What's right? the genre? Movie. Yeah, like, what? That's the delivery system. What are yeah. you talking about? I mean, but oh, very quickly, quirky. The answer is Mick Max. Carry on, <laughs> or something by Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson or uh, Jean Pierre Jeunet. I've yeah. realised I wanted to actually. Some people might be listening thinking, "Have I wanted a quirky pick?" Yeah. There it is. Oh, oh, do not Uh-oh. fucking tweet me. I don't want to have suddenly <laughs> the day after this goes out. 
a million things. I want to feel sad, but also a little horny. At S-T-O-G-H-Z, at Stogs on Twitter. By the way, Carol, if you, if you want to see sad and horny. If you're, if, you're a, if you're a Patreon supporter, you're allowed to ask Matt for a recommendation. Everybody gets one. <laughs> We're adding that to the perks. And they're as all of, the handmaiden. <laughs> as of right now, you can send us a DM on Patreon. Yeah. And Matt will reply with a film recommendation based on what you would like to feel. Yeah. What do you want to feel? I want to feel wistfully forlorn. I was like, handmaiden. Oh, what do I want to feel? I want to feel outraged, but engaged and, and, and whisked away, the handmaiden. What do I want to feel? Oh, just aroused and captivated and loves <laughs> uh, the handmaiden. I want, to feel, I want to feel outraged and disgust, handmaiden. I want to feel terrified, handmaiden. Horny, horny, horny. Handmaiden. Handmaiden. <laughs> I want to feel that the world is ending and that the climate changes are too much for us. Uh, First reformed. Yeah, fuck it. Don't <laughs> look job. up. I mean, yeah, yeah. in theory. Um, yeah, so we get to this whole point about genre. Just to cap off a little bit, you get the, the subdivisions, the subgenre which we talked about already, and horror is a great example of that, and comedy being the same thing. Um, and, and a lot of it is rejected by the base. So if you say horror, and I mentioned horror because they are such an outspoken and devoted fan base where whole things are created from on a different standard and level. So if you're into drama, you will include a lot of international releases and period drama stuff that's still in a different time period. With horror, you're like, I don't care if it looks like shit because it's horror. There's a different thing I'm looking for from it. It's hitting a different note. It's hitting a different, for lack of a better word, feeling. Um, and so you get, well, I, I like a certain type of horror. What's horror? I like slasher horror. Okay, well, that's a certain thing. I like uh, supernatural horror or religious horror. Okay, fine. I like, um, what's the one? Elevated horror. And you're like, mm. Mm, okay. Uh, and that's the point. You get into the way of selling these things because elevated horror is how you get horror films in award ceremonies without them saying, well, it's just a horror film because they say, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, get Out is an elevated horror. It's actually highly satirical. Yeah. And extreme. It's not just a regular slasher horror film. It's like, all it does is demean it the other ones. It has comments on race and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So does other horror. Yeah. <laughs> so does loads of other horror. Yeah. And it's just ways of like, it's a way to keep things in boxes and keep people shut yeah. out in exclusion and it, so on and so forth. It's the same reason that like Kurt Vonnegut isn't in the sci-fi section in bookshops. It's because they've decided, oh no, he's one of the good ones. He can be. He can be literary fiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Just to circle back around to to music genre. Uh -oh. oh. Uh. There's someone I follow on Twitter who is uh um occasionally uh gives lifts to his i think he's a cousin of his uh -oh. who's 21 years old oh no uh -huh. and the cousin wants to be a music major at college but likes about four songs <laughs> wow and this guy who i follow uh who is i've met a lot of film people like that was like i really like these christopher nolan films and it, anything else? Don't really like any of this stuff. My favorite film is Inception. Yeah, like, and yeah, I want to yeah. go learn about films. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, Benito underscore Serino, who's uh, also yeah, a, yeah. a comic book writer and a podcaster and stuff like that. Um, and so he makes it his job every time to play this huge variety of music, and every time the kid's reaction to it is always just like, "Yeah, it's fine. I didn't really." It just really kind feeling. of sound. It kind of sounded the same as everything else, and it's like, what the fuck? As I'm just scrolling back, I found one that's bands that failed to make any impression on the 21 year old today: Nickel Creek, Mountain Goats, Doctor Dog, Flogging Molly, Das Racist, Orville Peck, Beck again, but a different era, 
Vampire Weekend, Neutral Milk Hotel, Nirvana, Gorillas, The Streets, Dead Milkmen, Nico Case, New Pornographers. That's a lot of different bands. That is a supermarket sweep of running around getting CDs from every genre. There you go. Christ. I I also talked to him about the movies The Babadook and Inglorious Bastards, both of which he assumed were from the 70s, which he assumes about all media I introduce him to. He has seen Inglorious Bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Both hilarious and I cannot stress this enough. Fucking Terrifying. depressing, yeah. yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. And, and and just to to, to um, cap us off before we uh, close out this first half, there are and this is this this is kind of really the root of the whole thing here. This is where we're coming back to, and we'll come back to it over again. It's a good way to sort of cap us off. Just as we started with the genre isn't a thing. So many movies are boxed into genres that don't make sense for them, and you see them in that aisle, and you go, uh, no. No, you don't belong there. And these are ones that are, frankly, unclassifiable. And you get, this is where you get your fucking quirkies. You get, like, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And it's some yeah. directors, but, you know. Um, it's just a handful of movies. Like, what, what is this? And to be fair, you can even take some big stuff like First Man, right? Mm. After doing Whiplash and La La Land, do First Man about Neil Armstrong. It's like, cool. What genre is that? Uh, mm, uh, well, it's a biopic about Neil Armstrong. See, sure, biopic people think of as a genre. A genre. It's like, I guess again, it's a categorization in a way. Yeah. It's a way of selling it to you. Yeah, but every life is different in theory. I mean, the structure would be very similar. Um, so it's like that. It's also kind of a not science fiction. It's a science fact. So it's a science piece. Like, sure, it's a period piece. Yes, it's a romance. Kind of. It's a drama. Yeah, thriller. I mean, I would. Yeah, is it's it the same genre as Apollo thirteen. No, no, no! Because the, the, it's like <laughs> but, a disaster film. It's so. It's but, like the same as but exists, but exists in a weird little, uh, almost like a little cinematic universe with it. Ima- imagine yeah. I said that- we're going to have a matinee of First Man, Apollo Thirteen, and Hidden Figures, and, yeah. and, and, the, and the, the right same... stuff. Yeah, and the right yes. stuff. Yeah, and they're all from the same thing, uh, and maybe maybe Space Cowboys as well. And you're like, uh, why are we doing this one? Oh, it's the same film, isn't it? Why wouldn't it be? I'm Same genre. Ad Astra in there as well. You're like, yeah, no, yeah. I think and, and The Martian. Oh, yeah, see, I mean, it's like, what's the common link here? It's like, sp- Spaceman. <laughs> um, and that's the point. It's like, it's a way to sell it to you, but it is woefully inadequate. Either you end up going with, which, which what you just did now, a common theme, setting, mm. or element, or actor, or, you know, mm. oh, it's a Denzel Washington film. That's not a genre. Yeah. Yeah, but Denzel's good. I was like, I know that. And he's, <laughs> he's kind of always the same in every yeah. movie, but still great. We're going to watch Glory and Training Day and Inside Man. It's like, yeah. I mean, good. They're great films, but yeah. that's... What? Yeah. yeah. You get the kind of like double bill feature of like, like you said, you'll get a Denzel Washington yeah. double bill or whatever it is. And some actors do stick to particular genres or some directors stick to particular so genres. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. You can get typecast and stuff. Some people try then try and the hell have that earlier on in their career and try to break out of that, try to not get typecast, change up their look, change up their approach, you all this kind of stuff. Building to Nicolas Cage, yeah. No, but maybe I should be. <laughs> but but then you get certain directors and certain actors where you just don't know what you're going to get. Nicolas mm. Cage is Hello. a good example of that. Yeah. Of like, and he's fucking brilliant in that movie. And yeah. That is fucking unwatchable. <laughs> I, I love Mandy. I can't wait for Pig. Different film. Yeah. <laughs> and also people who shift over time oh absolutely yeah we talked about robert de niro it's like okay here's here's your double bill it's mean streets and the war with grandpa 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like like Raging Bull and Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, no! <laughs> Get it away from me. We've both got bulls in them, right, guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going for the dinero yeah. bull Bo- time. Boxing, Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh. There we go. Boxing, Bobby Bull time. <laughs> Coming up on sequelizers. It's like, uh, no, and and it's it's it is like a DJ. I can't remember the music again because you don't really cycle through films in the same way quickly as you can music. But a DJ, the difference between a good DJ and a good set, or a good band playing a good set, and a random playlist on, mm. on random, is that you can feel the vo- room and the vibe, and you know what one track will transition to another. Mm. Why, why to... we ended up having a DJ at our wedding, rather yeah. than just shuffle the playlist and <laughs> see what happens, because yeah. you need to be able to read the room. Absolutely. Uh, not as done with film very often, but I like to read the room and say, we're going to watch Lady Macbeth. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is totally right. That's the same thing as your, how do you want to feel? Like, mm, I, I want a song that really pumps me up. I'm about to go to the gym or yeah. go for a run or whatever it is. I need to just chill. I need some lo-fi beats. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And again, to stick on the like streaming service, but music side of things, Spotify now has those like vibe playlists, oh, kind of things, like yeah, mood yeah. playlists and all that kind of stuff. In the same way that Netflix does. Like, yeah. binge-worthy stuff. And I know I, when I'm watching stuff, or even, like, I have this a lot for podcasts, is the kind of thing I'll listen to when I'm falling asleep, is the, like, I don't need to pay too much attention to it. Like, it's just on in the background. It's fine. Don't worry about it. If it's something I really give a shit about, if it's, like, narratively driven or really interesting or one of my favorite shows or whatever, I save that for when I can actually pay attention to it mm-hmm, properly. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then there'll just be, like, a... Again, I've said it on the show many times, I don't tend to consume media more than once have done of course plenty of times but in general i try to listen to watch new mm-hmm. things as much as i can but i'll just be like ah it's just some like funny bollocks podcast it doesn't matter it's 20 minutes long and i'll fall asleep it's fine i'll save the four hour D show for when i'm actually like <laughs> paying attention to it or whatever and i need to know the story and the characters and all this kind of mm. stuff and the same is for true for tv shows and, and movies and stuff like that as well there are certain films i don't want to like sit down with Emma and just eat dinner and mm. then watch it watch it for an hour yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. sort of in the background or like oh I'm gonna you know clean the living room I'll just have it on the TV while I'm cleaning like yeah I'll just stick on Raging Bull while I'm cleaning the living room yeah. said no one ever <laughs> but like there are plenty of those like easily digestible like oh yeah it's just on the yeah. background kind of films I'm like yeah fine whatever yeah. not that fast put on skyscraper yeah the rocks like entire career basically pretty yeah. much yeah apart from pain and gain that movie can fuck off but yeah i think there's a lot of that kind of the popcorn actiony kind of stuff falls into a lot sure, of that sure. genre mm. that kind of well the, what do i feel numb yeah <laughs> nothing in particular perfect i mean yeah. the pr- prime example it, just to, 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 to clear us out i have had literal off, pink things that people have gone a bit too far with and said what do you want to feel it's like i kind of just feel something i'm like wow watch sound of metal it's like <laughs> yes. what's it about doesn't matter you will yes. feel something by the end of it mm. i want to feel numb fine watch as you say skyscraper why what, what's in it nothing doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> you you'll feel like oh what's I, a I theme sort of, yeah <laughs> yeah you'll have seen the something rock, the rock's yeah. fine yeah I want to how, feel... do, how do you feel an hour and a half after eating a big mac like well just kind of you know, there, there, yeah, extant, <laughs> kind of, kind of a bit hungry again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like there you go. That's all it needs to be. Um, so it again, it's that it's because again, when you're saying what do I want to watch in the cinema, you always think you know what you want to see based on the trailers, but the truth is, that's just selling you a kind of. It's what trailers sometimes we've talked this about previously quite a lot, but 
it missells a movie to you. You thought, I was mm. going in, I was expecting this, and I felt something entirely different. And it's like, yeah, because they're trying to get a big old wide net to yeah. get everybody in. But what you actually want is, it's like, oh, I don't think anybody went in to watch something like The Northman mm. and didn't get exactly what they thought they were going to get out of that movie. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people went and see The Favourite mm. and were like, I wasn't expecting this at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, and you know what? They should have kind of labeled this not for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you thought it was going to be. Like, talking about fingering and stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. I thought it would be nice. Olivia Coleman being a nice lady and be quirky. No, I mean, it is, but, you know. Yeah. Quirky. Quirky can be a lot, can mean many things to many people. Yeah. Is it Francis Ha? Is it Turning Red? Is it a Yorgos Lantimos film like yeah. fucking The Lobster? Yeah. This week's episode is sponsored by Audible. You can get a free trial of their fantastic service and a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel. If you don't know what Audible is, first of all, where have you been for the last like 20 years? They've been around for a while. But Audible is in fact the world's leading service in providing audio delights to you and your ears. Hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, thousands of guided meditations, fitness things, I don't I don't listen to fitness things. I don't know what they are. I do listen to comedy specials, though. I do listen to podcasts, and they're also available on Audible. We're available on Audible. You can listen to sequelizers on your Audible app. Some people consider us a fitness or, or a guided meditation. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they categorically do not. Wonderful pause. And it's like, how's that exactly? Well, I can't eat for a week because I feel sick because you discuss bone tomahawk in such detail. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Of all the genres that we are, Tim... Those are not two of them. (laughs) But you can get a variety of genres. That includes podcasts. That includes, as I said, comedy specials, meditations, and massive, massive collections of hundreds of thousands of different audiobooks for you to listen to. And I'm going to recommend some some books. That's right, listeners. Some books. Right. From one of my favorite authors of all time. Because I'm going to be talking about something in the second half that is very near and dear to my heart. I'm going to talk about some dick of the Philip K variety. Oh, Am I right, boys? Oh, oh, who we knew? All, we all love a bit of dick here, right? You like a bit of double dick with your fucking Dick Grace and stuff. If you're dick uh, Grace that's true. Okay dick, yeah. I am a certified hashtag dick lover. Yeah. I'm, par- I'm partial. Tim? Uh, I've, I've dabbled with dick, but <laughs> I, I, I haven't dived in fully. Mouth first. <laughs> Fair. Farewell. For those of you who don't know, a lot of the like sci-fi films over the last 20 or 30 years have been based on books by the one and only Philip K. Dick. He actually passed away in uh, 1982, just before Blade Runner came out, which is based on his book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Mm. Our friends over at Modern Escapism also themed their D&D podcast as Do Dragons Dream of Scorch Sheep? It's a clever pun. I appreciate that. Well done, Gadget and the crew over at Modern Escapism. But yeah, Blade Runner is based on a Philip K. Dick novel. A Scanner Darkly is based on a Philip K. Dick novel. Minority Report. The Adjustment Bureau. Let's try that one. Plenty of cool, interesting science fiction. And I'll get into the specific subgenre in, in a moment. Plenty of interesting science fiction novels. I've actually listened to the Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. I've listened to... Let me have. I'm literally checking my Audible right now. I've listened to The Scanner Darkly. And I've not listened to Total Recall. That's a short story, everybody, which is 
actual title is We Remember It For You Wholesale because Philip K. Dick had a habit of Dick naming had a things. Brilliant way of writing and a terrible way of naming shit. He, yeah. He would have made an excellent member of like a sort of two thousand and six emo band. Yeah. Yeah. He he's 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 getting towards that anime light novel. Yeah. Just a bit more descriptive. It's about. just an entire sentence of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Between light novels and Panic at the Disco, somewhere in the middle lies Philip K. Dick. That's the poster quote. May rest in, rest in peace. <laughs> but yes, go and listen to some Philip K. Dick novels. Like I said, one of my favourite authors of all time. The productions on Audible are fantastic. They are unabridged audiobooks of very high quality and production. As I said, I've, I've literally listened to myself, so I'm giving you a, a genuine recommendation. And you can get one for free as well as a month free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel. So as Jack mentioned a little while ago, we have one pick each. Oh my god, we managed to rein Matt in until his 15 honourable mentions. <laughs> yeah, I had two picks technically. Jack has one of them, so I'm like, okay, we're good. Um, yeah, my, my pick is um, uh, one that genuinely fascinates me. Um, if you knew what the quote was from the very start of this episode, you might see where I'm going with this. And it's one that people may not expect, because obviously... You know, international film-loving, big old weeb, you know, miserable period drama sort of dickhead Matt. Oh, he's going to be like, what's the, what's the genre he loves? Irish sadness. And it's like, <laughs> what's it about? It's about the treaty only. Just that and nothing else. And I mean, yeah, sure, that's a, yes, it's a genre. Um, Irish displacement as a genre. Um, and while I do appreciate those movies, um, this is something people may not have tweaked. And also I should point out, this is one of my favorite genres. And yet there are so few films in it because the concepts in, uh, in these movies strike a very specific chord in me. So again, class about what we called back earlier, how do I want to feel? I want to feel smothered and I want to feel like I'm going to die. You want to feel insignificant. I want to feel insignificant and I want to feel a nihilistic wave wash over me like nothing is anything. Like, That's oh right. God. We're talking about rom-coms. Yep. I mean... Yeah, sometime. I mean, like, literally, five hundred days of summer and high fidelity. You both say like, "This is this is damaging to me as a person." No, I'm talking about cosmic horror. So, for those who want to know what cosmic horror is, who oh boy. Um, okay, so technically, there is a horror element, i.e., uh, monsters or death or creeping terror, that kind of general unease and peril that is befalling upon people and these are usually yes scientists yes um uh, people in the military but also quite a lot just regular citizens people just who are swept up in things whether it's detectives or you know blue collar workers just people who are just like uh going about their daily lives and inadvertently get swept into a story um about entities or or, or basically the presence of something bigger than humanity and its terrifying indifference to us that makes us genuinely insignificant. I mean, when uh, Carl Sagan, when the original Voyager probe was going out, I think Carl Sagan said, can we, when we get to pass, I think Jupiter or Pluto or something like that, can you make it turn, oh, Neptune, sorry, Neptune, can you make it turn around for a brief moment and take a picture of Earth? And that's where the phrase, the sort of pale blue dot comes from. Yeah. And we had a similar one recently with the other things. Because Earth, if you, you know, if, 
unless you were specifically looking for us, you wouldn't find us. And when you know that, and when you know that, suddenly everything you do, everything you love, everything you hold dear, everything you worry about is meaningless. And that horror, that fear, is what I find fascinating to try and capture in a narrative. So what we're talking about again, it's all about peeking beyond the limits of human understanding, okay? And the existential dread and the madness that follows. These are the sort of what we tend to see. Um, and I find that for filmmaking, one of the reasons I want to list it is because for me, it's the perfect pairing of experimental challenging visuals, whether that's visual effects or practical effects or makeup, some very unique sound design, some really, really trippy, fucking terrifying music that you've never probably heard before, and really heightened out there performances where actors have to give you something very uh, on the edge. And there are examples, which we'll get to a little later, of actors of all caliber giving you things that you know, how do you represent the most terrifying fear that when you see it, your face goes numb and your hair turns white? And what the hell does that look like? How much of that do you show? How much of that do you keep back? And so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> <excuse me. coughs> and I find this genre, these kind of stories that are told in these narratives tend to be so much more considered than um, other releases. Because when you have, like, obviously a heist movie, you've got to factor in a lot of things. When you've got a drama, there's a lot of things that drive in the emotion. When you talk about this, you're like, what can I do that will take the audience in this certain direction for this period of time, etc., etc.? Um, because it never allows, well, very rarely allows humans the active ability to fight or understand this very indifferent entity so whatever it is i mean that's why for example one could argue it can be a good analogy or 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 a satirical look at climate change for example climate change is terrifying i mean truly terrifying it is at this rate and based on everyone else and their indifference absolutely going to kill us now if i said i'm going to do that as a film and that climate change can be represented by an alien force that i don't show you but the fear that I feel at the minute, and I project that across in that form, it's like, that's t- I, don't know what, I don't know what the thing is they're running away from, but it's terrifying. That's what I'm talking about. Um, now, the reason we don't see a lot of these movies is because, I mean, only I'm asking for them <laughs> by the end of the day. Uh, they're a very hard one to market, really hard one to sell, really hard to advertise. Um, usually just classified as just, oh, it's horror in space. And sometimes that's true. Um, they're usually slow burn. They're mania-based, which means it's really hard to sell that without being really heightened over the top. And they, and there's another thing, they usually end in a place really unsatisfying for general audiences because you get that, you, you tend to end, end a little ambiguously because if you explain or show what your thing is, it can rob the audience of their fear because suddenly if like, you quantify it, it's like, eh, that's what it is. Um, it's also really hard to physically represent uh, the unnameable and unknowable. Because once you suddenly do that, it becomes nameable and knowable. Which is the whole point of a lot of the kind of like Elder God Cthulhu mythos stuff. Absolutely. That we're going to have to talk about him. He's a piece of shit. We know. Yeah. HP Lovecraft. Hence why I said cosmic horror, not Lovecraft in horror. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to avoid that phrase and avoid him as much as possible. But in those novels and novellas and stuff, there isn't much description of these actual 
monsters and gods and all that kind of stuff. There's so much inability to articulate what you've seen. Yeah, the whole point is that people, yeah. people just viewing these things drives them insane. And I think that gives a certain level of accessibility in a lot of ways for filmmakers to not have to do this massive high budget thing. Absolutely. You don't need this 400 foot tall sea god like monster thing cloverfield yeah cloverfield cthulhu thing looming out of the water you can do stuff that is just out of frame or out of Mm. view and really play with the like psychological side of things and Mm -hmm. stuff like that at the mountains of madness oh yeah have an example of that and like twisting that around and having that be some weird existential meta commentary thing Mm. and then having something spoilers for a film from a few years ago underwater which is a horror film that ends with a big fucking mm-hmm. Cthulhu monster. It does, yeah. And but it's not really cosmic very much. That's it's, where it's it just gets kind of a like tricky. a thriller disaster movie kind of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then at the last second has that little twist of like, oh fucking hell, okay. Yeah. One could argue Cabin in the Woods yeah. sort of, but you're like not really. So um actually forget my little Yeah. Yeah, I mean just to there's something that Cthulhu has lost a lot of his mythos uh-huh. ah. over the years because he's been reduced to just, well, he's a big guy with a squid face. He's yeah. a plushie um, now. Yeah, yeah, you can get little chibi ones, little adorable little yeah. key rings yep. and stuff. And to take a, another recent Lovecraft adaptation that uh, Color Out of Space yep. yeah. is literally about a new color that nobody can describe. Pink, which in the films they yeah. just like it's, it's kind it's of kind pink, purpley purple pink. Yeah, thing. yeah. Which you kind of get it because you have to show it. You have to show this thing. But the fact that in the book, this is where books tend to work a little better than films sometimes because you like when you cut. If you're describing the reaction, and films do try and do this, M Night Shyamalan tried to do it. That's happening, and then you got Mark Wahlberg's face going, oh, 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 oh my god, the trees. Um, but, oh, the one with the fucking the wind and the the plants. Yeah, turn everybody insane. Yeah, but the, the, it's like we don't see it, but you see his reactions. Except it's Mark yeah. Wahlberg's reactions. So yeah. So I'm gonna name oh. just a few just to to get because again, there is a there is a there are two schools of thought. One is that this is a classic B movie thing, and others which is like nah, this really came up in the 70s onwards. Um, and I must admit, I agree with the latter because while you have a lot of big cosmic horror it's still very rooted in 50s and 60s b movies mm. which means you do see a lumbering monster you do see this um a dude in a suit a dude in a suit <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing but it's not about oh my god what is it although that does a lot but it, it seems it, it strikes a different chord with a 50 my god mm. what is that so passes out it's yeah like, nah, nah. Uh, speaking broadly you know the 50s and the 60s there was a lot more sense of optimism especially about yeah. space because you know we hadn't f- won, done the space race yet and so there was a sense that oh there are unknown things out there but we can understand them and then and, and by Trek. doing so kind of conquer them yes it's, um, it's it's exploration it's it's the exploration and the as you say the conquering and the whole all oh, of these brave new worlds and new planets We'll be living on Mars, and we'll be living on the moon, and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, when then you get to the 70s and the 80s, the more reality of horror, and dealing also horror being dealt with as a reflection of war, then you get down to the whole, like, what if what's out there is terrifying and worse than us? It's like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I can't describe it. What about that? And then we start seeing those things. About. So, um, 
some of these are, are picks that it's like someone's going to say, I don't think so. But as we've established from the last hour, that's how genre works. So eat me. Um, right. Going to whip through some. Event Horizon. Love me some Event Horizon. Annihilation. Yep. Yep. Love some Annihilation. Yep. The Endless. That's a prime example of an independent film where you don't really see much of anything, but has all those notes and chords. The Mist. It's a Stephen King one, but very much I talked about it on the Movie Monsters you episode did. because you... of it's maybe the best example of like. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that thing? There's that, uh, the behemoth, I think it's called yeah. in that movie, if I'm trying to remember correctly. Mm-hmm. That's just 200 feet tall, covered in tentacles. Mm-hmm. It's got an amount of legs. And, <laughs> and the mist is purposefully there to like obscure the view of it. So you can't, yep. you don't get a clear shot of it. Mm. You don't get a fucking Lego of it and be like, oh, this is what it looks like. Oh, great. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've released a toy and ruined it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the mouth of madness, people might say, "Is that one?" It's like, "Yeah, absolutely, is hundred percent." Um, color out of space, as Tim mentioned earlier, the void, which is an independent one. Uh, some mm-hmm. people are very cold to the void, and I don't mind. I like the design. I think of a lot of things a bit towards the, the latter half of the cult stuff, but yep. overall, it's a very flat independent movie. That's all. The thing, the thing is absolutely it is yep. indeed. Yeah, yep. uh, the empty man. Um, that's a James mm. Dale fairly recent film. That's a very underrated one. Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. That's yep. a nice little slow burn one. Um, Possession from uh, the 81. Um, that's a very good example. Weirdly enough, Bird Box. The Sandra Bullock yeah. Netflix film technically is a creeping horror. You don't see what it is. It's there. It's lurking. It's not a, a fantastic movie, but that's that co- a cosmic horror kind of vibe yeah. to it. The, the, you see it, you go mad. Sort of thing. I mean, that literally is what it is. Um, and now I'm going to get over a controversial one. Alien. Oh, interesting. Slash Prometheus. Yeah. Because you could say, well, I was like, well, Aliens, no. Alien 3, no. Resurrection, obviously, no. Uh, Alien Covenant, no. Alien, kind of. Alien's a tricky one. Because when, when we didn't, again, we didn't have all the fucking toys, mm-hmm. and we don't know the full life cycle of the Xenomorph off the top of your head, and you've played all yeah. the video games and shit, seeing a Xenomorph for the first time, it is the unknowable thing in the shadow. Yeah. You've never seen a fucking weird, rubbery, yeah. dildo motherfucker like that before Takes in your life. hour to get going, and you're like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. then regular people just thrown into this unusual circumstance. And Prometheus, very much cosmic horror, because it might as well be a uh, uh, mountain of madness sort of thing like that. Yeah. The idea that, you know, we found these ancient, indifferent gods, and they're, you know, it's a bit more of the science side of it, and a bit more of the stark... Yada yada yada, but this kind of genre is something I think deserves a comeback, uh, specifically because it has never really had a good stride. You have bits that you can say, "Well, that's kind of like a uh, you know cosmic horror." That's got some horror, but it's almost always independent stuff. Um, it's almost always. I mean, I think, and I don't know, it hasn't been released yet. I think Nope is gonna be one, mm. the new mm. uh, Jordan Peele film. Uh, which event by the time you listen to this is probably already out. I'll be like, let's see, it's is or it isn't. out in America. It's, I think, a couple of weeks, couple of weeks from being out here. here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, that sort of thing where I'm like, it can be set on Earth, it can be set in space, it doesn't have to be confined to that sort of thing. It's just about something bigger than us that is terrifying enough that we're like, oh my God, what do we do? And and then say, well, what about like Skyline? That's a piece, piece of shit. Like, no, not that. That's an invasion film. That's slightly different. <laughs> um, like War of the Worlds, for example, isn't necessarily cosmic horror. All those cosmic horror elements in it. Yeah. I think a weird example, The Lighthouse. 
Lighthouse is a fantastic example because it's like absolutely rooted in horror and weirdness and there is an and insanity and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, and it yeah. does that aspect of the we mentioned that the, the visuals the performance yeah. the sound design the audio design and it's like well what's the cosmic angle it's like well we don't know where the thing came from yeah. but the, what what thing exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, we don't even know if there where is a thing it is yeah. quite yeah it's like what is, is it, this is it the light is it something else is yeah it, yeah is Ooh, it just no. these two blokes gone mental um, it, so th- that's what I kind of love about it. And more importantly, at the end of a movie, you had that sense of like, what the fuck? Do-? And then there you go. What do you want to feel? What the fuck did I just watch? Mm. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. Mm. That's what I love cosmic horror for that reason. Again, there's so little of it and so little of it that works. Um, I mean, you could say, uh, again, there's things like, um, Daniel isn't real, for example, not exactly cosmic horror. Yeah. It's horror, mm. definitely. And it's sort of supernatural, ethereal, weird horror. I wouldn't say it's the same. It has elements of this. You just did the Netflix thing. I know I did. I know. A bunch of adjectives. I know. You're absolutely right. And there are elements. Do you want to watch ethereal horror? Like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Fucking Star Wars. Um, (laughs) um, No, but uh, there's that element to things that are in film and. um, Fuck that sentence. That was nonsense. Hang on. Did wonder where you were going. Yeah, sorry. It's definitely got a sense of dread. And something bigger than yourself, but it feels more like down to a single possessive personality or or, or, or entity, and that feels more. And I know, uh, yeah. So, it, but as we said with genre, it's hard to classify these things. But that's something I'd like, I I always want to see more of. So if I see a trailer that looks even slight like that, I'm like, yeah, give me that right now. I I do the exact same thing. I went on a um Cthulhu Mythos binge a little while ago. I got into the Call of Cthulhu role playing game, which is exploring yeah. that whole thing. And it, you're totally right that it's a thing that film has kind of dipped its toe in a couple of times, and you get shit like The Lighthouse, and you're just like, yeah, I guess. Annihilation. Very different movie. Annihilation, yeah, which I guess. Paramount were too afraid to release, so how much money it wouldn't make? There's a yeah, Netflix you exactly. have. Like, what the fuck? And I love the way Alex Garland made Annihilation, in that he read the novel by Jeff Vandermeer once, and then wrote the screenplay, and never referred to the novel yeah. again. Because the whole unknown, unknowability of that whole alien bubble thing with the bear for a skull for a face that screams. If you haven't seen Annihilation, that's a real thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a whole, that the whole point of that is that he wanted to make it with a weird, like, Mm. almost, he described it as like making it in a dream, like trying to remember stuff. Yes. because a lot of people will take a book adaptation, you'll have a copy. Each actor is sent a copy oh, for yeah, reference. And reference. Like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. quoting this exact line from this exact moment. Whereas Garland was just like, I don't know, just like, it's kind of like trying to just remember it at the time. Yeah. And then I wrote it like a week later. Mm. And I mean, it's it's along similar sort of lines, I think. And I kind of love that version because it has a lot of big genius idea. Yeah. And that dreamlike thing is so true for a lot of these ones because if you take like Under the Skin, for example, um, with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, That's yeah. cosmic horror. Yeah. Um, and who or what the fuck is Scarlett Johansson? In yeah, that film, bafflingly yeah. weird and terrifying and monstrous and naked, naked and evil and brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Do you consider Solaris cosmic oh, horror? Oh, I think I do. Yeah, I really think I do. Again, that's the birth of it. Like, if, mm. the, uh, like that seventies level of like one. One could argue two thousand one, a space odyssey, mm. is yeah. cosmic horror. 
And I think cosmic horror and as I touched on earlier, like the Cthulhu mythos and as you mentioned him, like the infantilization and the, and the the drawing away from the horror elements of Cthulhu and just being like, oh, it's a big old bloke with a squid for a face, it'll be mm-hmm. fine. Like we see elements of that. You joked about Star Wars. Mm. The thing in the Kessel Run is a Lovecraftian monster in Solo. Absolutely is, yeah. It's fucking not cosmic horror, even in the slightest. Nope. Not even scary. Not even scary. Nope. But it's a big blobby mass with a bunch of tentacles and teeth and shit in the yep. middle of space. A big worm in we the asteroid. Don't understand it. The big worm in the asteroid. Yeah, exactly. All the Star Wars nerds are like, it's cold to this. Exegorphus. I don't give a fuck. But it's like you can have the monstrous elements without the Lovecraftian cosmicy horror kind of stuff. And the other way around. Mm. In the Mouth of Madness, the Lighthouse, all this kind of stuff where yep. you don't see the fucking monsters. You don't need to see the fucking monsters. You see the crazy people. It's the crazy, it's the after effects, it's the human condition, the mm-hmm, psychological mm-hmm. side of things that is so key to so much of that stuff. And I think what a lot of the, because like I said, I, I went on like a deep dive binge quite a few years ago now and then went on YouTube and watched a bunch of like the really super low budget short films and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff and like that. There's some brilliant stuff by the way if you do want to go and search some cool like Cthulhu mythos cosmic horror type stuff on YouTube. But so much of it is just like and it ends with a big monster showing up. And you're like, ah that's not as exciting. No. And some of the the best ones have like barely any dialogue and it's quiet and weird and you don't really know what's going on and that's my shit right there and 12 minutes later you're like what the fuck was that (laughs) that was very good yep that that that, that is very much uh something i very much enjoy and it's something that's always on the independent fringe and even things that have got big over the time people's like well that doesn't really count it's like why not yeah anyway so that's my pick i want to see more of those i'd like to see more will i very unlikely Mm. i think you will but never as a big look with the yeah. That's kind of what we're differentiating here, right? This is we want to see a comeback of. Like, well, it's never going to have its moment in the spotlight. No. I can't imagine a cosmic horror film suddenly being like the highest grossing movie of the year or winning a bunch of Oscars or whatever. You'd be surprised, but man. Like, Give yeah. it time. I think it depends how bad climate change gets. Yeah. Yeah. And the metaphors we reach for. That's, uh. that's yeah. Or coronavirus. Uh. Where you're like, well, I want to make a film about COVID, but I'll present it in space and there's this thing that's out there that's getting us. And I can't, yeah. But you, That's you, the film Life, isn't it? The prequel to is, Venom. Is Life a cosmic horror? No, it's the prequel no. to Venom. <laughs> <laughs> is Venom a cosmic horror? No, it's the sequel to Life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the prequel to Venom, There Will Be Carnage. <laughs> that's horror. That's um, a fucking horror. That's a horror show. Uh, Jack. Hey, Matthew. You may have said, oh, why are going to go to Jack next? It's like, yeah, we're, we're saving Tim to last, I think. <laughs> We always like to save Tim Tiller. Yeah, I'm a little bit the old one out this time. Uh, no, 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 no. I, th- I think, I think you. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you who listen on the main public feed, I teased it in the Audible ad earlier on. Jack did a fan dance. I did. Little little sexy dance. You heard it. Doesn't it doesn't have the same rhythm and you know audio format, but we saw it. No. Just just for the the non patrons, which is weird. It's a non patron exclusive. <laughs> Sexy fan dance. No, I'm going to be talking about a thing. I mentioned one of my favourite authors and how many films were made from his work. I talked about Philip K. Dick. So I want to talk about some tech noir. Yeah. Because I love me some Blade Runner. I love me some 
Dark City, some Gattaca, some loads of other stuff. Is it fair to say that you like an, a mystery unfurling in an in a world that's familiar to our own, but with heightened technology? Mm, yeah. Bridget. Minority Report. So many other like weird kind of like like you said this this the twist on that having oh it's a science fiction movie and I talk about this all the time and I I try to like explain the kind of science fictiony stuff that I like this existential sci-fi oh, yeah, yeah. doing the Netflix thing again of just adding a fucking adjective that doesn't really make sense but the sci-fi movies that make me think are the ones that really stick with me and the ones I always reference on the show you've heard me talk about Blade Runner and Ex Machina and all this kind of stuff they go influence your pictures and everything aren't they exactly yeah yeah, yeah. a million times before so it's where this kind of genre crosses over with the detective the noir that kind of stuff you get these brilliant little moments of a thing that doesn't feel like it should work, but works in so many ways. You take something that is so, you know, lodged in the past, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, coming forward now, going into the future, and like, oh, yeah, you can actually do that in the 2130s or the 2140s (laughs) or whatever. And you're able to then kind of, Repitch and ironically enough, pun intended for us on sequelizers, mm. and, and kind of recontextualize a lot of that stuff. And you have it talking of alien there as well. Like mm. you have a thing where it's like, oh, that looks like it's made in the seventies. They're all got like CRT monitors and stuff. Yeah, but it's hundreds of years in the future. You get a similar kind of vibe. You get the the smoke in the there's there's just steam and smoke neon everywhere. And steam, yeah, there's yeah neon yeah, yeah. and steam and like really specific lighting choices that. Make no sense in real life, but look fucking amazing on camera. And I, I just love the kind of visual style of bringing noir into something that I already like in science fiction and kind of blending the two. And you're able to then ask the questions like the whole existentially kind of stuff that I'm really into. And then also you get like a who done it or a where are we or mm-hmm. a when are we or <laughs> how did this happen? And, and who, stuff are like that. who are we? Who yeah, are we? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It's such a great melding of genres because kind of crime and especially noir tends to be about like people on the fringes of society, exploitation, uh, power differentials, class, all those kind of things. And science fiction is kind of touching on some of those subjects as well because it's talking about Okay, usually there's new technologies of some kind. But when you add in the noir element, you go, okay, but how will they be distributed? How are the people on the top going to exploit the people un- underneath Absolutely. through this new stuff? And and essentially, science fiction says, here's how we're going to move forward. And crime says, here's how we're still the same, exact yeah, same people. We will always be fucking each other over. I love that. 100%, Tim. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think... I think- the noir element lends itself to the storytelling and the world building in a way that you can genuinely flesh out everything around you. So it's semi-familiar, but you have a literal central character who is all too familiar with all the things and how this world operates, but the very similar um, and relatable aspect of this is a person trying to solve a crime. Um, I don't know if this is television as an example, but 
uh, Jack and Tim, very rightfully so, have been recommending to me for a very, very long time, The Expanse. And oh, yeah. one half of The Expanse, very much, in addition to being cosmic horror, is, yeah. is also yeah. very much um, an, a tech noir um, detective living in the asteroid belt trying to solve a crime yep. about a girl who's turned up dead. You're like, what? And, and, and then the cosmic horror happens. Exactly. <laughs> and the idea is that because you got a character in his central role going through, <clears throat> going through trying to solve this crime, they have to talk to various elements. They have to talk to people in different industries. They have to say, well, where did this person go? What did we do on their time off? Um, if you play like Cyberpunk 2077, for example, which is inspired by a lot of these things, <clears throat> it's the, well, what did they do for their spare time? They went to this club. Oh, clubs are still a thing. Oh, it looks like this. Oh, wow. It's sort of VR world of in- blah, 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 blah. Um, is it uh, Surrogates with Bruce Willis? Um, that's another tech noir kind of thing where everyone lives in these sort of VR pods and they go out in their little... Um, exactly. And then, you know, one breaks and he has to go out in the real world with his actual, actual aged body. Um, and, and because they are traveling through, traversing through that world, you get all this stuff. And, and as Jack mentioned, a lot of this is sold in the aesthetic. Whether it's a whether it's an analog or a digital kind of world, whether it's you know relatable or not, it's still there and it still feels just close enough to being out of reach and a not too distant future kind of thing. But you're not so much worried about that because you're just trying to find out how this guy turned up dead. Yeah, absolutely. I think a genre that is very close to this and and hues to it very in a lot of ways. You mentioned Cyberpunk twenty seven cyberpunk is a genre there as well yeah yeah and um it was a it was a forward in um burning chrome by william gibson another one of my favorite authors neuromancer perfect example of cyberpunk tech noir type stuff where it's literally following unreliable narrator of a detective through dystopian future world and all that kind of stuff um it described the combination of low life but high tech is the Ooh. phrase they use. And I was like, oh, that's, that just <laughs> distills it so perfectly. As you said, Tim, you think like, oh, we've got space travel. We've got robots. We've got like, I don't know, virtual reality that is exactly the same as the real world. People are still murdering each other and committing fraud. Drug deals. Do- drug deals and all the like basic human shit that we've done for centuries and centuries and centuries at this point. You just can't take like, the the primal instinct of humans to fuck each other over yeah. even if we ascend past into some like higher plane of existence through science fiction like yeah. but have you you're still the same body we've had for the last like yeah. 80,000 years or whatever it is total recall they leave go to mars like we colonize yep. another planet still yep. committing crimes still insurgents still you know people going undercover because cops do that uh, or like ghost in the shell for example where it's like my God, we've been transported into robot bodies and we've got these, these morphed up like um, cybernetic enhancements. And it's like, cool. And then you add on top of that, but you are still dealing with very high-faluting, very rich people. High-faluting rich people exploiting the lowest element. And the police, this is why techno is so interesting, the police have that sort of ability to go in both directions. They can sort of, schmooze or liaise or an interview or, 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 or aggressively pursue politicians and, and um, business owners and, and entrepreneurs as much as street level crime and everything. And you get to see this whole world building aesthetic in one go through this one person's eyes. That's why like when you do like a Kiss Be Deadly noir film in like LA, 
you get to see, you know, different uh, sectors of society, different people, different ethnicities, different uh, class elements, you know, all this sort of stuff. And they are taking on this journey through this world. But again, it doesn't smother you in it because you're just trying to find out the mystery that's unsolving before you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so classic. You go back to, to noir, to neo-noir. There's almost always a scene in those films where it's like, oh, and now he has to go to the fancy person's house. Absolutely. And like clearly doesn't fit in there and, you know, gets roughed up by their, you know, guards or whatever. Yeah. And now he goes back to the streets where he belongs and, yeah. you know, rests up and whatever. Or... Nothing like, can I interest you in a drink of, and depending on whether it's neo-noir, yeah. classic noir or tech noir, you would like saying, can I interest you in a, a fancy drink of like, you know, yes. imported vodka. I'm like, ah, never had a taste for it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or like if it's... Uh, a techno. Can I give you some fresh water? Yeah, uh, doesn't do away for my palate. Yeah, yeah. I, I love stuck on him. Yeah, but. and um, it's it's so interesting because it's that again, it's that mashup of stuff of the optimism of sci-fi of saying like, here we'll find these solutions to these problems, and the cynicism of noir and Absolutely. taking a, especially when it taking a protagonist who usually has an incredibly cynical worldview. Yes. Um. The streets are filled with blood, and I'm yeah. the last man alive. Yeah. <laughs> Classic noir shit. Um, yeah. And it and it's you know, and I think tech noir sort of emerged in the kind of 70s and 80s, mm. and it's from that realization. Again, we talk about the optimism of the 60s and stuff like that. That the future will not be distributed equally, um, mm-hmm. and that that lends itself to great stories. Absolutely. So, for something completely different, over to you, Tim, with the weather. Weather films, eh? Weather yep. films, yeah. Uh, the Weatherman featuring Nicolas Cage. Yep. Twister. Twister. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Geostorm. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. He's a yeah, weatherman. Yeah, he's a weatherman. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, yeah, so my, my genre is one that not only has it had a period when it was popular, uh, it also had a comeback period. It did, yeah. Uh, and I'm arguing for a, a third wave, essentially. I know we're going to get to this. Because when Tim wrote this down, I thought, oh, Tim, you're, you're walking into the audience expectation here. Mm-hmm. And also, that's fascinating because usually, Bill, we, the second you say it, there will be an immediate, almost bile in the throat reaction, like, no, 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 we don't need more of that. It's like, ah, but there's a twist, I assume. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so what I am proposing a comeback of is raunchy teen sex comedies. Pause for effect. Horny Tim is back. <laughs> Truth is, he never, never left. left. I never left. <laughs> <laughs> That's my secret cap. What's what's um, the twist? They're in Disney films. Okay, Tim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the kind of the first wave of these was pretty much in the eight, early eighties. Yeah, softcore nonsense. Kickstarted by stuff like Porky's, um, Revenge of the Nerds, mm-hmm. uh, God, uh, yeah, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm. That you kind of could thing. you could include Animal House in that, yeah, seventies, yeah. Um, and Elements then, of yeah, uh, and then they kind of faded away. They got replaced by the more kind of um, John Hughesian, yes. Ferris Bueller's Breakfast Clubs, those kind of things. These kids have feelings, damn it. Yeah, I didn't say that, tits. <laughs> uh, 
and then in the late 90s early 2000s we had a, a kind of a reawakening of the genre basically 20 30 year cycle stuff yeah around, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically kick-started by American Pie. Although, mm-hmm. obviously, there had been other films like that in the periods in between. But it's the one that people remember, maybe, Mark. And exactly. From there, within the next couple of years, you see yeah. so many You had out. your road trips, your Euro trips, your Van Wilder, all the American Pie sequels, etc., yeah, etc., yeah, yeah. and a whole bunch of ones too shit to even bother mentioning. 2000s was a weird period. Yeah. Um, I feel like we said that a lot on this show. Two <laughs> thousands, man, fucking weird. Uh, people do not appreciate how weird that time was. Yeah, and since then they've kind of died off. Mm. Um, we still get these kind of what would be described as R-rated teen comedies, uh, but they have got a bit more chaste for the most part. It's, um, it's it's an injection of hues, isn't it? It's that like these yeah. kids have feelings. I mean, they're horny, but they got feelings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which obviously, for the most part, I think that generally improves these films. I agree. Um, and I think we've had some really good teen films in the last ten, fifteen years. But I also think that there is room for stuff that deals with sex more frankly. Um, there is a weird, slightly puritanical streak um, that has always existed in America. I was going to say, you're and, just going to end that sentence with, in America. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but has grown stronger in the last 20 years. Um, and you can see it in all kinds of things. Um, the world around us. Yes. I think that in some ways you can also point to the domination of uh young adult uh adaptations mm-hmm. um yeah. because obviously people who are writing books are very concerned about things like getting into school libraries and anything that is even slightly risque can get them banned from those because people you get these weird people who it's go on an these are children reading pornography um mm. and so you get a lot more of these kind of wholesome teen rom-coms along the lines of stuff like The Kissing Booth and To All the Boys I Loved Before, which are good mm. films, especially sure, the... Sure. I haven't seen The Kissing Booth films, but... There's also like a lot of misery ones, like Fault in Our Stars kind of thing. Oh, yes. Obviously, we've had these these different waves. Yeah, of, of exactly. Gowers take themselves very seriously, very... You're supposed yeah. to very, very melodramatic. Fall in love yeah. and then cry at the end kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And he died! Oh, how terrible. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that there obviously there are still teen comedies out there. Yeah, of course. And and most of them will touch on sex a little bit, so to speak, mm. um, or discuss it. And they will still get R-rated. And so the question is kind of like, well, if you're going to discuss this stuff and you're going to have this R rating anyway, we do. Tim's again, about to say, you might as well show me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we again we we just had this patreon only episode about kind of censorship and, we did, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. film classification and how so many studios view an r rating as like a death knell for a movie it's like oh we can't you know we can't get the teenagers in to sh- sh- see it you know we're losing out on so much money here and a lot of these films have these r ratings anyway 
so you do slightly wonder. It's like, okay, why aren't the filmmakers maybe, you know, like pushing a little Lean harder? into the rating you're getting anyway. Lean in, Exactly, lean into it. You know, Deadpool goes, okay, well, we're going to have an R rating, so let's fucking earn an R rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think I think it's interesting. And the thing that I would like to see for this genre to make a comeback is more of a focus on female filmmakers, queer filmmakers, mm. filmmakers of colour, to because obviously this genre has very problematic elements. If you go back to your stuff like Porky's Revenge of the Nerd, even stuff like the American Pie films oh, absolutely. now, you go They're back and you go, these are, yeah. yeah. And I think that by creating a more kind of equitable uh, sense that they can be about teenagers getting to grips with this subject, which is incredibly complex and, and not explored enough. You know, it's the, we, we, in America, it can be very puritanical. Here in Britain, we have a slightly different sense of it where it's kind of like, oh, that's a bit naughty, isn't it? Oh, no, the carry, history of the carry-on with exactly, films. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's seen as this kind of... We, we, we like to talk about a big game. So you'll see TV series like Sex Education and stuff. And, mm. and it's like, what's... The, or, I know it's a drama, but Skins as well. It's like... Yeah. You know those uh, 15, 16-year-olds in your household? They'd be fucking, excuse yeah. me. No, they weren't. Were you in your age? That was different. Mm. <laughs> and I'd, I'd actually pull, like, sex education as an example is something mm. that does it really, really well. Bloody love sex education. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, and I think there are some examples of this that are out there that are, have been really interesting and have done really interesting things. But usually TV. A lot of it's TV, a lot of it's straight to stream. So much teen stuff now goes straight to streaming just because they know that teenagers prefer that. The other thing is yeah. that it feels like, increasingly, teenage films are marketed predominantly at teen girls. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they have basically given up on trying to market to teen boys. They go, well, we've got, the, we've got Marvel films, we've got you know, action films for them. And then age old story. And then if it's anything else, we won't be able to tear them away from their Xboxes or from watching video game streams on YouTube or whatever. Um, Literal so conversations just, being had by producers. <laughs> yeah. So we so we've just given up. How and, do we get them on the TikToks? Oh, yeah. God. And, and and there is definitely also the impact of internet pornography on this. Very true. There was a period. I don't when know what you're talking about. Tim. Going to the cinema. Or renting out a VHS and it's like, oh, I might see some titties. Uh, and obviously, yeah. the internet has kind of ruined that, if ruined is the right word, completely transformed. Soiled that. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, ones that I do want to like pick out that I'm like, okay, this is kind of roughly in the area of what I think would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, blockers. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, also yeah. known as cock blockers. Yeah. Uh, which is basically the same premise as American Pie, kind but of, from yeah. a female perspective, except it's also more from the parents' perspective, yes. as in they're trying to stop their teen girls, teen daughters from losing their virginity on prom night. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, it has John Cena in it. And it does have John Cena in it, and he sticks a uh, hose up his butt. He does. Yep. Um, uh, quite a small film called uh, Yes, God, Yes, which stars oh, uh, Natalia Dyer, who's mm. from oh, Stranger yeah. Things. Yep. And it's it's set in the kind of t uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and it's about a 
essentially a strongly religious from a kind of I can't remember if she's Catholic or just kind of from a very religious I, very Christian is what I would yes, say be extremely the broad Christian. coverage yeah. 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 Uh, basically coming to terms with her sexuality um, and going to a Christian retreat to deal with it yep um, uh, the film Dude uh, which was a Netflix film that came out in 2018 mm. it stars uh, Aquafina and Lucy Hale and uh, Alexandra Ship. It sounds like my... hmm. uh, it's more of a kind of stoner comedy, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. but for girls, so to speak. You said I could um, be, in it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I saw it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny, mm. uh, really interesting. Kind of deals with like teen grief as well and stuff like that. But has a very just like fra- frank approach to sex and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the to do list with Aubrey Plaza. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is again, it's a period piece. It's kind of set in the eighties, um, and is about a girl who's about to go off to college, trying to experience, essentially become kind of sexually experienced, having not really done anything for the first time. Got a weird scene with her dad walking on. Mm. Yeah. Whole thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And yeah, and I I think basically kind of more films like that. There's obviously other teenage films that deal with this kind of stuff, but don't kind of quite hit the tone that I'm looking for. So you've got stuff like Book Smart and Edge of Seventeen, which, again, which I think are fantastic. Yeah, really Come great teen before. films. They're brilliant. Yep. Love them. And th- these are getting like R ratings and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. it's like you know they could be talking about this stuff more, uh, frankly. Um, and of course, like Booksmart also has like a queer element to it, and entirely there's yep. films like Love Simon and Alex Strangelove out there, which yep. again, as we talk about in our censorship episode, because of the double standard, anything that has kind of a queer romance in it tends, in tends to be get a harsher, yeah, tends yep. to get a harsher yep. certificate anyway, or even its own, as we were saying earlier, the categorization of LGBTQ, yeah. Go off in your own little corner. Yeah, can't and have that, anyone stumble upon it unless yeah, they're looking for it. Yeah. And that totally can have a positive thing, as you said earlier, Matt. Mm. That can be like, then that is the safe space for those people to know. Absolutely. Like, mm. I know I can go to this movie and there mm. will be something I can probably relate to. But it also legitimizes things by saying, romance. Well, not really a romance. Yeah. It's a gay it's romance. It's a gay romance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that tricky balance. There, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, they tend to be even more chaste than. You know, yeah, something like a book smart or, or, yeah. or, or like oh a, my god they're kissing yeah yeah and yeah um and there's also been an interesting little sub real sub sub genre uh, in the last few years which is films about teenagers dealing with abortion oh um there's been plan yeah. b um and Dirty dancing uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, unpregnant, uh, both from the last couple of years, mm. um, and then one that's much more a drama called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Oh, yeah, uh, but that's not one. at all a comedy. No, um, no, no. But yeah, uh, and a lot of these have female directors, um, which I think is a really positive step forward. Obviously, Book Smart, Edge, uh, Edge of Seventeen, Lady Bird had a yep. female director. Yep, Dude and the To Do List both had uh, female directors as well. Mm. Um, Which also so, adds that element of maturity because yeah, it's all, and, I don't need to see and this. And yeah. we now have things like intimacy coordinators uh, yes. to be on sets, and that is a huge step forward. I think mm. it absolutely should be implemented across the industry. Agreed. Um, yeah. Consider how many predatory assholes there are in the industry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, exactly. And again, as has been exposed Police over the last own few years. Yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, I think 
teenagers need to learn it like the degree to which teenagers get their sex education from pornography is terrifying mm-hmm. yeah um and obviously films are not the ideal place to be getting that <laughs> but they are a step up if they're um, entertaining engaging and frank yes exactly yeah. and yeah. they should be you know sex is stupid and funny as mm-hmm. well as being you know important and intimate yeah. and all these kind of things and so a f- films that deal with that with a bit more of an equitable treatment between mm-hmm. various uh, genders and stuff like that i think would be a positive step forward yeah and i think about romantic comedies i know it's a separate thing but i think about romantic comedies that make them popular sometimes isn't the fantasy element it's the relatability absolutely yeah. it's the yeah. cringeworthy oh god oh god it's me yeah um, and people saying things like why is bridget jones 4 getting made because people still see themselves as bridget jones yeah, yeah. um 500 days of summer everyone goes oh my god this guy's awful it's like yeah that was you yeah. like a couple of years ago i, was like, I yeah. know but fuck it, i don't need to see that god yeah. damn man um it's that level of like and when you're a kid you know when the mar- films are marked towards immature teenage boys you mm. end up with porkies and and american pie what's what i just want to i want to have sex with a girl i guess i can trick them into it that's mm. basically the whole premise yeah whereas if you get a bit more jai apatow-esquusian yeah. ways of looking like super bad it's like i just want to have sex because it's expected of me i'm t- i'm scared yeah. i don't know and yeah. it's like you get I mean, it's still you know gross out comedy but it's getting closer and closer and then olivia Wilde with book smart you get the almost like a progression towards mm. like this is a great fucking relatable story yeah i can feel so painfully i can feel my face contorting with cringe as i'm going <laughs> oh no i'm not a fucking i'm not a 17 year old lesbian but i absolutely know exactly what she's yeah. going through this moment yeah. oh my god yeah so I'm going to round us off with a little game. Ooh. Holy game. It's Matt versus Tim. Oh, hello. Yeah. Hello. My nemesis. I take my clothes off now. Indeed. For the I, raunchy, sexy Tim. I have though. searched on UK Netflix, raunchy teen comedies. <laughs> it is, in fact, a subgenre they have their own worried for. Yeah. Jack just searched raunchy teen. It ended too fast. Raunchy. <laughs> raunchy. Now he's on the list. I just Googled raunchy teens <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Um, there are seven films listed on Netflix in this category. Oh. oh God. They are films. I will right, stress okay. now this does not include sex education and a bunch yep. of other stuff. Um, I want to maybe play first to three. Okay. And then guess some of them. We're going to have to guess. Fucking hell. All and right. The raunchy teen comedies. If you guys want to buzz in or take it buzz. in turns. Matthew. Uh, American Pie. No. I don't want to say American Pie 2. American Pie the fucking pro. The, any American Pies? Yes. Oh. <laughs> the first one? No. Tim, how God about you? damn it. American Wedding. Yes. Point to Tim. God damn it. Matthew? Are there any more American ones? Yes. Oh, fuck me. American Bandcamp one. Um, American Pipe Bandcamp. The, nope. the fourth one, I think. Nope. Well, piss. Tim. American Reunion. Uh, no. Okay. Matthew. Just American Pie two. Correct. Okay. Yeah. One point. <laughs> well, one each. Yeah. One point each. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any more American things? Yes. Oh, shit, I don't remember the sort names of. of them. I c- I can maybe name a couple of them more. Uh, you can, you filth. American Pie, The Book of Love. No. Oh, very good. But you're, you're along the right sort of lines. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, American Pie, The Sophomore Years. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
American Pie, The Naked Mile. Point to Tim. Mm. You've done all three American Pie, American uh, Union bollocks now. So you have have, uh, what's that? Five other films. There's eight total. Five Uh, other. Tim only needs to get one. I'm not going to do this. Um, Okay. Let's. We can start giving some clues if you like. Maybe there are two Netflix exclusive Netflix productions in here, out of the five remaining. Talk. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, Um. One from 2020, the other from 2018. Mm. Uh, have another film from 2019, a film from 2004, and a film from 2006. That is all five movies right there. Uh, Van Wilder. No. Okay. Tim? The Package. Spot on, Tim. Three what points to Tim shit? from 2018. Oh, the the um, thumbnail for it is just the Oh, I know egg, the film. Just the Tim nailed yeah, it. Eggplant so emoji. It's about a guy getting his dick chopped yeah, off. Yeah, it's yeah. It's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, we also had All My Friends Are Dead from 2020. Okay. Oh, Ramona from 2019, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, let me just double check. I think it's Romanian. Yeah, it's a Romanian teen film. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. The one that I was like, oh, yeah. Girl Next Door. Oh, with oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with Jack Bauer's daughter from Twenty Four, and everybody was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, she's sexy!" And My then God, she the dis- was a porn star, and then she disappeared. <laughs> it's not did. true. She did Happy Endings, which is a very good series that you can't find anywhere now. Uh. She, she disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and Triple Dare, a Swedish one. Okay, from two thousand and six. I, I I don't feel bad that I didn't get that for two reasons. One Romanian yeah. genre to Netflix just acquiring a right. bunch of stuff. Right, it's it was such. I looked up. I was like, I wonder how they if they have a again kicking into my SEO mode. Like, do they have a specific landing page for raunchy teen comedies? And yeah, there's eight films yeah. on that list for some reason. And the ones you would all think of, like the, the ones Tim mentioned, mm. almost none are there. Yeah, because they have actual rights and licenses and. And again, no streaming network is carrying that free of charge. I think it's like, you know, you either own that on DVD or you ain't watching it. For yeah. some reason, there's also an expansion, which is raunchy teen late night comedies. Oh, right. What the which fuck? is the exact same list of movies. <laughs> Brilliant. In but a pre- slightly presu- different order. Presumably only gets recommended after 10.15. Sure. Sure. Oh, these are really scandalous ones. They're the same as ones earlier. Don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sex Trip was all right. Sex trip, yeah. Is it called uh, sex trip? Sex. I'm pretty sure it's the it's, yeah. it's James Marsden. Oh, he's not the main. Um... Yeah, he's like the sheriff in it or something, isn't he? Uh, no, no I think he was Sonic the Hedgehog. You are... <laughs> <laughs> easily confused. Hang on, no, I'm going to call it if it's called sex trip because I'm, I'm just oh, going no, to uh, Google sex sex drive. Sex drive, not sex trip. Yeah. What the hell's wrong with me? You are absolutely correct. Thing sex drive, um, with um, Marsden playing the older brother, and basically the whole thing is. Uh, this one dude, uh, played by Josh Zuckerman, gets he, he catfishes someone, but he's also being catfished. Mm. Uh, and it's like, oh, you have to come drive see me, and bring that car of yours. And it's just like, you know, it's a trap basically. But he goes on with his friends, uh, was played by Amanda Crew and Clark Duke. And it's it's that level of really stupid raunchy sex comedy nonsense. Mm. Um, is dude where's my car a sex film? I, it's kind of a stone from the yeah, it's, it's more a stone stoner. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Are they stoners or are they just dumb? I think they're I stoners in the same way that Bill and Ted are stoners. In yeah. That it doesn't explicitly say that they are, but they clearly are. Yeah, they're just slow. Yeah. 
So I have one last question for you. Okay. I have just searched just raunchy comedies. Okay. Would you like to guess what is the top result, as in like from left to right on the on the list here, for raunchy comedies on Netflix? Is it the ones we've just mentioned? None of those things we just talked about. Wolf of Wall Street. You nailed it. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? How the fuck? What? How I mean, did you... I've got to say, I assume Tim, Tim did a lot of research beforehand. It's always like subliminally did, gone yeah, in. I didn't get that prepared with my research. How the fuck did you get that? I just thought... It is the Netflix algorithm. What's <laughs> raunchy comic and popular from the last five years? Yeah, fair. Hook. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, listeners. That is three genres we'd like to see make a comeback. A weird little Netflix quiz that just explored eight films most people have never fucking heard of and never will, will want to watch. And pretty much everything in between. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Still have a little interseason episode. As we said, there'll be exclusive interseason episode coming up very shortly as well. So if you do want to get into the bonus stuff, please do go to our Patreon. Of course, we understand if you can't support us, times are fucking tough still. Oh yeah. We've said that a lot. And we're going to keep saying it because it's still true. Getting a bang time soon. Yeah. Uh, the way you can support us for free is if you go and review us on a podcast app, preferably Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. They're probably the three best ways to support us. Please go and leave us a review, recommend us to your friends, share us on social media. All that kind of stuff is the way you can support us for free as well. If you want to join our chat and community and all that kind of stuff, you can go find our Discord. You can find that at sequelizers.com slash discord just click on the invite button and you're let in automatically there is now officially 200 members of our discord Ooh. yeah the uh return of the inquisition happened and don't, <laughs> don't if you're not on the discord don't you, ask d- when you get there you'll find out <laughs> you'll find out because you'll be asked specific questions as you're welcomed to the discord and yeah it's an awesome group of listeners and mad people <laughs> they're very welcoming Sometimes a bit intimidating, but very welcoming and very lovely. And we talk about anything and everything. There's kind of a post-show discussion after these episodes go up. You can talk about the latest films, the latest trailers, comics, politics, parenting, sports, other podcast recommendations. It's a fantastic group of people. All three of us are in there. We talk about stuff, make recommendations, chat about stuff as well. Like I said, we kind of have a little after-show, post-show thing when episodes go live and a lot of people talk about it. There's a very strict spoiler culture, so hopefully you won't have anything spoiled in there for you either because we're pretty strict on that now after we had a few slip-ups in the early days. We're now enforcing that pretty strictly. But yeah, I highly recommend if you do want to chat more with us and with fellow listeners, do go and join the Discord there as well. If you want to follow us on social media, we are Sequelizers. I am JLW Chambers. Matthew, who are you? Matthew. Okay, thanks. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. Okay. <laughs> if you want to follow me, Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. On all the various social medias, you can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk and see the films that I review. Well, I don't see the films. We read the reviews of films I review. Um, you can also search for Sumo Drop, specifically search for BBG Wrestling on the various podcast things for my Sumo Wrestling coverage every other month. Tim! You unknowable bastard. If I wanted to peek into your horror, where would I go to catch a glimpse and go insane? Pornhub.com slash <laughs> trivia <laughs> underscore that. Yep. Uh, just exposed. Full of raunchy teens. Look upon my 
Twitter account at oh. trivia underscore lad, ye mighty and tremble. Um, tremble in my pants. Yeah, uh, that's that's where you can see all manner of uh, unknowable, indescribable cosmic horrors. Uh, and also, maybe, I don't know, me describing a sandwich I've had. Oh. I do like sandwiches. They're pretty good. I like sandwiches in films. <laughs> you do. We'll get in that episode one day. Eventually. When we run out of all the other ideas, we'll get around to it. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this in-season episode. We'll have a few more, as we said, and then we'll be heading into season 11 with a lot of fucking terrible movies, terrible sequels, and some very interesting topics to talk about. Big franchises, big fuck-ups. Yeah. It's kind of kind of the, the MO here at Sequelizers, right? Very much so. So yeah, a few more episodes of Interseason. Hope you enjoy them. And we'll be back next week with something pretty different once again because it's the end of the season. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.